Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Line of Succession. I'm your host Lee, I'm here, I am joined by my co-host Spencer. Spencer, say hey to the people. Hey everybody. Spencer, we're at the midpoint. We're at episode 5, season 3 of Succession. I feel like this was almost like, I feel like they could have cut the season into two parts. This could have been a finale-esque type thing. Yeah. They were clearly building to this the first half of the season. Huge. As we were getting on, you said it was a unique episode. What did you mean by that? This, I mean, it, if there's ever an episode of where I didn't fully anticipate what it was going to be, this one ranks high. I was not anticipating just the utter chaos that this episode would bring in so many different directions. It's every single plan, every single assumption went completely off the rails due to the incapacity of one person. And it made for some entertaining TV that was just hanging on to the edge of your seat by just what degree the chaos was just coming at you. And yeah, I would say this is one of the more watchable episodes of Succession in that quotable too you know a lot of times you're watching it and you're you, i almost like stiff arm it i'm like oh my god I, like i have to pause it and i'm like ah i'll get that scene later it's like it's like a shot of vinegar it's so awkward and hard this was like flowing and quick not to say it wasn't awkward and cringy it certainly was but you were the, the plot was so in motion right oh, yeah. and there were such high stakes that Break i found neck. myself i don't think i paused it once i think i actually blew all the way through this episode in one take I had one pause, and it was because your boy gave me the most, maybe the most awkward moment of the entire season. Maybe series, with his little speech that he did when he interrupted Carl on stage. Spencer, I think um, if it's okay with you, I would like to do a little bit of a moment of silence here. Please. For all of the people that like Succession and like our podcast. Okay, thank you. Yeah, moments of, <laughs> moment of silence. <laughs> Moment of silence, you're, you're, you, the interesting thing about a moment of silence is nobody ever pushes back on it, no matter how preposterous or out of place it is. Mm-hmm. This is almost like a Larry David type situation. I've been watching Curb lately. And like he always picks out these little vignettes of things like that's like awkward. Like in the latest episode, he does, um, what, is a shut do- what is a slammed door? What mm-hmm. constitutes a slammed door as opposed to a shut door? It's a very interesting thing to think about. That's a like quintessential Larry David. Moment of silence is kind of one of those things, though, because like when when would you ever be in a situation where you say, "I would like to have a moment of silence," where people don't go, "Okay, yeah, this it, it, asshole." It's, it's the same reaction every time, no matter what you're doing. Everyone goes, "Okay, all right, I guess it, I'm doing this." It's the ultimate. It's the ultimate cultural expectation, just the ultimate cultural crowd, just tolerance that moment someone asks for a moment of silence, you are just educated <sighs> from day one to tolerate it and put up with it, no matter what it is, no matter what the subject matter. It's built into us. You know what it is? It's the over it, like 65-year-old lady when everyone's like, we're doing a we're doing a standing ovation. You know, like there's always yeah. that one lady in the yeah. crowd that's like, oh, fuck, we're doing this. Like that's kind of what the crowd did. But he did trap him. I'll give my boy Kendall some credit. He trapped him. Um, nothing to be done other than be silent. Um, we will get to that 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 scene and more here on Line of Succession. We, as always, we'll go through a recap. I... Lee, that's right, your co-host, will lead the recap. I've got extensive, extensive notes. This is a dialogue-heavy episode, Spencer. I don't want to oh, like yeah. break my arm giving myself a pat on the back here, but holy shit, the notes were extensive on this episode. Then we will go to Roy of the episode. I have thoughts of which Roy won the episode <laughs> and which one lost. I'm very, very interested in uh, And then we have Line of Succession, where we, t- we talk about the best line of dialogue from 
the week and man oh man oh man do we have this i'll tell you what we used to do when we were doing season one and season two reviews we started with line of the i don't know if you remember this one so we started with line of the episode and i eventually convinced you to change it to just roman line of the episode because i liked Mm -hmm. roman lines so much we're almost back there like we almost could do roman line of the episode this episode roman had some gems he was on fire this episode a lot of great dialogue from my man roman so i'm excited to get to that segment and then we'll just wrap up with general thoughts about where we are here midway through season three with the halfway point got five more episodes after this i believe i have my episode count right five more episodes after this so we will jump into that after we do a little bit of housekeeping thanks everybody for listening we continue to grow week after week the little the little you know spencer you know the slope the slope on the graph yeah slope of course yeah taking up we're taking up my friend hey, more and more people finding us and i really appreciate that because there's a lot of succession content out. If you want a succession podcast, there's a lot of places you can go. And the fact that you go here and you spend a couple hours with us talking about the episode every week means a lot to us. We really appreciate it. Thank you a lot for doing so. If you do like this podcast, please remember to rate and review us. I read every review. I curate them. I give them to Spencer. And, uh, you know, usually it makes his day because I only get passed along the positive ones. I will also <laughs> plug another podcast I'm involved with here on the Mango Talks Podcast Network. That is a podcast where we are going to review... That's right, the Amazon series Wheel of Time. Uh, I'm told that this is a fantasy series that uh, I'm told a lot of people really like. Uh, a friend of mine, BJ, who is also on other podcasts here on the Mango Talks Podcast Network, he loves this series. Spencer, this is his Game of Thrones. He's read it like four or five times. He's so fired up about this. He wants me to do the podcast with him. I'm doing the podcast with him. If you like hearing me talk about stuff, and especially if you're interested in hearing me talk about stuff, I have absolutely no idea what's going on. (laughs) This is probably the podcast for you. It's called As the Wheel of Time Turns, and it's available now on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you get your podcasts, another Mango Talks podcast. And we will be going through episode by episode the Amazon series Wheel of Time. And uh, I will be leading the recap as someone who only watches the show and only like knows what the show is and BJ and uh, his significant other and my wife, three book nerds will be talking about the book portion of it where I am TV only. I promise you, I will never read the books. Uh, you say this, you say this, but I'm picturing you about three months from now being in about book 12 of the series. Just put that money out there right now. I'm not gonna read the books, I, I, at least not for this. While, while you're listening to me on this podcast, I will not read the books because I, I think it's interesting having, the, having that dichotomy. So check that podcast out or any of our other podcasts here on the Mango Talks Podcast Network. Go to your favorite podcast platform, type in Mango Talks, M-A-N-G-U-M Talks. All of our stuff will pop up. Now, let's get down to business. This is season mm-hmm. three, episode five. I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm, I'm awarding it, Spencer. Unilaterally here, I'm not even asking you. This is the best fucking title of an episode oh, it's perfect. we've ever had. Perfect. Retired Janitors of Idaho. We'll get to the line and I, why I like the line so much. But man, what a fucking title for an episode. It's the Bravo! It's the wonderful mix of being nonsensical on the surface, so it doesn't spoil anything, but incredibly appropriate for the episode in so many ways. So, flawless, flawless execution on their part. So before we get to the recap, I would like to say that when I pressed play on HBO Max... For this episode, I got an advertisement. I got an advertisement that something you you were recently outed on a podcast. Your secret is out in the world, Spencer. What you do like you mean? This fucking series, it won't die. It, I, I wish to God that Game of Thrones had. The oh God, series. I got the same ad. I know what you're talking about. People <laughs> that these fucking people do. This show will not go away. It's show after movie after reboot after show after reboot after movie. It's your it's your world, Spencer. Sex in the City is back. How you feeling? Okay, 
I at no point have indicated that I'm a huge fan of the show, but I'll just say this. The second movie was painful, and anything that will come after it will likely be even worse. My, my concluding thoughts. So is this like every other series that gets a reboot or another season or anything? You're like, eh, I don't like that. It's like, it's that, you you know, our, I talked about the slope of our listeners earlier. Yeah. Every yeah. week more and more. For you, more more episodes typically means less enjoyment. Are you with that with Sex and the City? How much empirical evidence have I given you of this at this point? Yes, that's how my brain works. Okay, well, there you go. Maybe maybe we'll convince you to do uh, on Mangum Watches a Sex in the City little little 20 minutes just to let us know your thoughts. The people want to know, Spencer. You got to give the people what they want here on the Mangum Talks Podcast Network. Okay, let's get into recap. I'm ready to go. Okay. We've got the security guards getting Logan all ready for the day. Not a good sign. I'm going to say this. I, I look, I'm not, this is not me doing this in retrospect. I, I didn't think he looked good. They, they did a good job of showing him looking bad. And I, at this point, you know, we all have our, like, sort of gauges of the characters, right? Like, for me, I'm always looking, like, how's Logan's health? How is Shiv's ego? Mm-hmm. How's, is Kendall, like, manic? Like, you know, you have these little barometers for everybody. I thought Logan looked not great when this episode started. I mean, the, the Canes knew, right? I mean, he wasn't using that yeah. the last episode we saw of him. So that's already yep. a bad start. And, yeah, in general, they make him look like the... The heat spell, the exhaustion that he had the other episode, is sticking with him. This had a bit of a long-term effect on his health. Absolutely. I mean, didn't... Hold on, Spencer. Could you hold on a second? I gotta piss. Hold on. Do you want me to go with you? I mean, do you need help with the scepter? (laughs) He starts right out. I've got to piss when he gets outside. She's like, you want to go again? When I heard again, I thought, ugh. Again, even before they. Even before they said it, I actually pointed at the TV and went, UTI. After what he just went through, not getting enough water, his age, UTI. Really? You, you, you picked out UTI that I, fast? I, I didn't know what was going on, but it, it, when she said again, I was like, did not. I did not, not remember what effect a UTI can have on the elderly. That one caught me off guard and had to double check. Piss mad! Piss mad, we'll get to that. Cut to a montage of the shareholder meeting, get it all set up. Um, the montage really just screamed money to me. Yeah. Screamed money, money. You know, and we've talked about, we talked about in the last episode, I did the math and I calculated out in this fictional world, Waystar Royco is about an $85 billion company. You called it perfectly. <laughs> they they do mention it late. They say $85 billion, so they're consistent in world. You said, that seemed like it should be more to me. I just want to give you a point of reference here. $85 billion is more than the uh, value, like the, the, the current value of Ford Motor Company. So it's big. It's like it's big. real fucking big in this world. Like bigger, like it's like GM is like 90. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's really, really big in this world. And, and when I heard that number 85, I thought kind of like you, I thought it was like low. What, that what, would put it in the top like six, five, six percent of companies that are publicly traded. It'd be really, what, really valuable. Our, our perspective is skewed by the friggin' Amazons and Microsofts that are just have billions upon billions of dollars. Yeah, it's not trillion a, it, dollar companies. Yeah. It, it, it's not, it's not a fair point of comparison. Absolutely. Cut to my man, Kendall. If you are just joining us here for the first time on Line of Succession, the battle lines have been drawn. We have a line yeah. in the sand out in the playground. I'm Team I'm, Kendall. He's Team Logan. That's right. You're saying this, but man, it wasn't even a fight this time. Your boy didn't even get into the ring. Dude, I stay I, I stay loyal. He gets a call from his daughter who is ratting out the babysitter. Can we talk about what a rat his fucking daughter is? Give me a break. Kendall ought to... Kendall ought to know better than that and to raise a rat. Saying uh, the babysitter will not let her uh, feed a bagel to her rabbit. 
Spencer, you are known rabbit pet owner. I am. Uh, yeah. You're the only person I know who has consistently owned a pet rabbit uh, mm-hmm. in your adult life. Two of them. Can you give it a bagel? Is this a thing? What? what uh, give us. Give us some context here. Okay. You you own a dog, and you know that there is a list of food that if Shut you up. give a dog, the dog just ceases to exist. That these are the well, ways you. It, like if you give your dog they'll get gra- sick. grapes, chocolate, yeah. Yeah, there are categories of things that these are the things you know as a dog owner that you obviously don't let your dog go near because they will just hijack your dog and just send you to the vet. Rabbits have an even longer list than that. Rabbits, particularly with their gut, are very finicky creatures. There's a, there's a collection of things that they can eat, and most often when a rabbit gets sick or ultimately dies, it's due to some problem with their gut or digestion. On that list, very high up, is any bread product. Bread products, anything that's got yeast, will mess with a rabbit's gut. Won't necessarily kill them, but they will make them sick as a dog. Or, well, rabbit, if you will. So, yeah, as a rabbit owner, the moment they said, Babysitter wouldn't let me feed him a bagel, I'm like going, well, of course she didn't, because she Googled it, and that's like, very quick, don't give them bread. Okay, and for those who don't listen to our other general interest podcast called Mangum Talks, I'm going to tell the story. Yes, I am. Spencer has a rabbit that has a bad belly and wouldn't Gut issues, yeah. So Spencer used a vibrator to on the on the exterior of the animal <laughs> just to just to massage the belly and it worked. This is the story he told. This is the type of great radio you get on Mangum Talks by the yeah. way. Fucking phenomenal story. We, Shout out to you. You saved the rabbit's life three times by massaging now, his belly, getting it to poop. You know about the finicky uh, GI systems of rabbits. You are, you're an expert here. Yeah, so much so that I've invented impromptu methods for the sake of their ongoing health. I pat myself on the back with respect to this. Shout out to you. Saved your rabbit's life. But yeah, this is a real thing. You shouldn't be doing this. Kendall, though, talking to the babysitter is Kendall. And he literally says, "Yeah, quote this it. rule doesn't apply to us. Yeah, he, I love that they gave him that line. This doesn't apply to us. Like, th- this is for hope. By the way, he, his go-to example of a shitty city, Tampa. Which want to point that out. You have recently been to the west coast of Florida. Do you stand for this kind of criticism of now what is your favorite part of the country? No. I, I actually have this in my in my notes. Why do we... Look, I understand why we all make fun of like Florida. Florida man, the Florida stories, etc. Why is Tampa the go-to shitty city? I've been to Tampa. Look, is it the best city in the world? No, but it certainly isn't the shittiest. But that's what he goes to. He says, look... This doesn't apply to us. This applies to like hobos who give their like rabbits like a dozen cinnamon bagels in Tampa. I don't know where he came up with this, but this is Kendall. And he basically tells the babysitter, fuck off, give it some bagel. What's, we're returning to this point. I had a thought we would not, we would, I didn't think this was all we were going to hear about this. Well, one of the things that convinced me we'd come back to it is when Logan has the same dead cat scenario. Because the show has loved to draw parallels between these two characters. Yeah. So I already figured, yeah, they're coming back to this because it's dumb. And they, they the show, I almost would be angry at the show if they didn't return to that. But then the moment Logan started talking about a dead cat under his chair later, I'm like, oh, we're coming back to points here. Kendall shows up to his suite and says, okay, Shadow Chamber, HQ with the hashtag resistance. What's up? How we feeling? Whew, man, he's like a, you know what, you know what Kendall can get into sometimes? He gets into like bad radio hosts. Hey, everybody. Like he does that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really, really cringy. But I've, uh, shout out to Kendall's posse. They speak Kendall now. They all just sort of rise. That one guy goes rise and grind, baby. Like they all just used yeah. to it. Kendall asks about Logan. Logan's en route. The news reports uh, that the, the news reports about this 
proxy battle that they have going on here at the shareholder meeting. They say that they've spent, get this, Spencer, $100 million on this mm. battle. Yep. That number blew me back a little bit because I know, like, here's why it blew me back. Because I know they like to keep some elements of this tied in reality about how these companies actually work. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if they did some market research to figure out that people do spend this type of money on these types of battles. Fucking insane to me, $100 million to lobby these investors. And a question to ask, if you had to bet whether our main team at um, Waystar, uh, how much they've spent versus how much Maysbury Capital has spent, which one do you think is thrown more into this battle? Maysbury Capital. That's my bet. Because they started behind the curve, right? They had to spend more. That's my bet. I think that really factors into why they're kind of receptive to settlement. Because, man, do they have some sunk costs at this point. Yeah. Kendall gets a, yo, yo, you sweating me on Golden Pond? Have we got a deal or what? So I think we're going to have to play, this week, America's favorite game show, Weirdest Pseudo Corporate Pop Culture Self-Sabotaging Candle Roy Babble of the episode. Where would you like to start, sir? We have a few even in this initial conversation with Frank. Yo, yo, you sweating me on Golden Pond's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we get into more. He Kendall's talking to Frank, uh, who says he'd like to transmit a certain amount of trepidation. Get a typical Frank speak. Kind of a funny line here from Kendall. There he is, the panic meister cooking up his sweaty spaghetti. Kendall asks him what bullshit Frank is selling today. Frank says, look, I haven't had a breakthrough yet on negotiations, Maysbury Capital, Logan is willing to let it go to a vote. This is the message out of Team Roy all episode. They they stay on me- episode. They stay on message, which is Logan will take this to a vote. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. This worries Kendall. This worries Frank. This worries every fucking body in the world. Frank then asks if they have a back channel. It would be nice to let Moscow know what Washington's thinking today, so we don't all stumble into Armageddon. Great quote. Kendall, says, Kendall understands what he means. As much as you need to speak, Kendall, you also kind of need to speak Frank a little bit. Kendall does. Kendall says we should keep the channel open. Eagles area out! We get the intro. Frank later gives credit to Shiv for landing a deal, but Frank, right here with this call, made any deal possible. Frank's little initiative that he did in saying, Kendall's got a back connect, Kendall can make this work, We we need to start this now, made everything hereafter possible in terms of any kind of deal. So... Yeah. Frank doesn't get enough credit, I think, this episode. Frank a deserves a lot of credit. I do think that, like, well, the, it, everything about Kindle this episode is going to be colored with the speech. Rightly so. Uh, this is... Ugh. I'll, but, I'll give you this one. This is his yeah. one win. What he pulls off with Stewie is well done. Absolutely. He. This is like everything with Kindle. He does He does have some skills, but it's just every, every bit of the presentation is fucked up. Um... We get 151 to 435 on the cold intro. That's 244 for the cold opening. That's a little longer than usual. Got a longer scene before we cut to those cringy credits. I mention every week, like Pavlov's dogs, as soon as those credits come on, I start my inside start like like a rabbit with a bagel. I'm just all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that the the theme song of this just conjures something in me. The moment I hear that, it just starts to set my spine on end. So I've talked about it on this podcast before. I no longer. I don't drink anymore. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm retired from the game. I'm 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 I'm, I'm above it all. I'm an adult now. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm gonna do next time. All my friends and you guys are together, and you all have enjoying drinks. I'm gonna wait till y'all on like the fifth drink, and I'm gonna just randomly turn the success. <laughs> don't no 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 don't fucking do that. <laughs> you want to have something mess I, with our heads? That'd be high. This is my social experiment. I just want to see when people are like. 
you know, that, that type of inebriated where you're not thinking about your response anymore. If they hear the succession music, what happens? Because I think people are going to start putting their jackets on and be like, I got to get out of here. I got to go. <laughs> I got to run away. I don't know what's happening, uh, but cut, I need to go. Cut to Logan arrive, and he's asking Carrie to be out in front today. I need you out in front. Uh, I need you to be a mole for me. She agrees, but she leaves him with a bottle of pills. You, you, you want to talk about, talk, talk about somebody who takes the L this week? Carrie fucked this up. <laughs> Carrie was apparently the only person other than Logan that knew about this, and that was a serious damn error. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this. I'm, I, I agree that Carrie did not play this well. I also think that blaming Carrie is a lot of enabling Logan's bad behavior, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, she pushes him on if he'll remember to take them. Blah, blah, blah. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, so, but, again, Logan, Logan's not very convincing. Logan's responsible for all his own faults, but if you're aware of that, if you're the handler that's just in, hired for the purpose of managing those, it's kind of on you, because we know what he's going to mess up. You're responsible for, for preventing it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know about that logic, but I, I, I agree that she did not do this right, uh, that, that she should have been a little bit more attentive to him taking those pills. But I, I'm going to, once we get there, I'm, I'm going to talk about what, what happened with Logan, because I, I got strong feelings about it. Cut to Waystar War Room. And uh, War Room and Carl and Jerry are arriving. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I know I'm, I'm going to get out in front of myself here, Spencer. Please. Jerry has a strong fucking episode. Jerry's she is episode. such an asset to this team. She is like one of the only people making any fucking sense during this. You, she's a utility player. Doesn't matter where in the lineup you throw her. She performs well. I thought Jerry had a good episode. There's there's an extensive period of this episode of where basically Jerry and Frank are the only people holding this ship together. Yep. Shiv asked him about negotiations and how they, quote, fucked it up. She's the worst. Jerry says it was a complete breakdown. They wanted the moon on a stick. Carl, two 5 a.m. nights. Sounds like your work week. If we lose control, just wake me up and tell me my career is over. My man needs a nap. And probably a sandwich, too. Yes. Get the he man always needs food. a sandwich. <laughs> Shiv asked if there was a deal there. Carl says, look, I don't even know. He's just over it at this point. I don't know if there was a deal there. They asked for everything with no concessions. He mentions, <laughs> he mentions four board seats. Keep hmm. that number in mind the four board seats thing because apparently the idea of four board seats at this moment in time six minutes into the episode is absolutely ridiculous and we would never do that it would practically give them control it would basically be stewie's existing board seat plus three more for sandy and gang yep carl then delivers the beauty full fat for them and corn dogs and toenails for us i don't know if that's like a midwestern saying or what never never heard that before jerry jumps in to say that at the end of the day the clause sandy really wants is quote Logan Roy henceforth sits on a corkscrew and spins. She's, I think she's pretty much nailed the crux of those negotiations. Petty. Yeah. And you know, we get that, you know, we get that Sandy, Sandy is just out for blood with Logan and it's just very Man. obvious. And it, it just, everyone knows it at this point. It's just transparent. Yeah. Transparent. Tom then says, we're going to vote, vote, vote. Roman says, great. We'll vote. We'll just leave it open to the fucking retired janitors of Idaho. That's the name of the name of the episode. Great fucking line. Spencer, you've oh, been yeah. to a shareholder meeting. I've never actually been, no. This is the thing about these things, is that people think a shareholder meetings like billionaires are just like like that guy, like the guy we met last episode, right? We think that that's who's there. That's not who's there. You know who's there? People who run fucking pension funds, because yeah. that's who owns the massive it, amount of these stocks. It's, it's a lot funds, of proxies. Hedge funds, mutual funds, financial companies that own tons of this shit, and pension funds mm. that, own, that, that, that are there. Uh, really good call on his part. That it, it's a lot of pension funds who have waste our stock. 
Um, Jerry asks their floor whip. I'm going to call her floor whip from now on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says it's too close to call. Some are withholding their vote until they hear Logan speak. Roman, quote, well, those pussies are going to bail once they hear God speak. <laughs> Shiv then starts panicking. We're going to lose the company. We're going to lose the company today. Floor whip then says, if Josh is a no, it's kind of hard to see how we win with a clear margin. Tom pushes back on her analysis, quote, is this what we pay our proxy solicitor team for? You know, if I were to give Greg $5 million, he'd go, ooh, this looks bad, you know. Not a bad point by Tom. <laughs> But you do have to pay a floor whip, right? Because you know yep. Sandy and Stewie are doing it. It's one of those, it's like mutually assured destruction. You, you have to pay for it because you know that he's paying for it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you don't, you're behind the eight ball in a way you may never be able to catch back from. Yeah. Then Connor walks in and Roman immediately says, the cavalry has arrived. It's so essential you're here. So the news is tomorrow, we're all going to go look for jobs in the same branch of Target. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Connor doesn't give him much, but I thought it was good. Mm. Uh, he comes up to Shiv and uh, says he wants to spitball with Logan. Shiv rightly, which I don't say that fucking phrase very often. Yeah. He says, look, he doesn't have a lot of time. Connor, Connor says, well, you better make time. Or I'm going to take a big black light to our semen-stained family scrapbook. Connor's confidence. I'm just going to point this out. Connor's confidence is very high this episode. Connor's confidence has been building all season. We've hit a whole Ooh. new level when it comes to this episode, and I think it's only going to grow in the future. It is real high. Um, so then Logan walks in, Roman. Here he is, the big beast, ready to kick ass with his big ass kicking boot. They start to brief him, and Logan seems off right away. Uh, they ask him a question, and he just goes, ugh. Like, you know, just nothing. They get mm. nothing from him. Shib then nervously asks him if there's anything they can do. Logan sits down and asks about the raisin. They explain that the White House is worried about the change in coverage. Logan then says we should push them for a statement to point to the fact that the temperature's going down at DOJ. If we have something tangible, something we can produce that says, hey, the temperature's going down at DOJ, it might sway a couple shareholders. Might help us with the vote. Logan's still here thinking about a vote. Very much thinking about a vote. Yeah. And I, I, you know, in terms of things that they can ponder right now, not a bad option. If they can get a public statement now that they can announce there that the DOJ's backing off a bit, God, would that rally support behind them. Cut to Stewie arriving at the real annual meeting. Mm-hmm. It's the real annual meeting. Get off your fox get, off, get off your rainbow soapbox, sir. <laughs> you mean a rainbow soapbox screaming time's up? That's pretty funny. <laughs> Kendall says he wants to uh, change things, and Stewie cuts him off and says, save that shit for Vanity Fair. I do not care, which mm-hmm. he does not. He has been very, very consistent that Stewie cares about absolutely nothing but money since the first time we ever saw him. I, I really like that Stewie did this quick because it cut off all the Kindle bullshit. And from yes. this point on, this is the Kindle I respect. That we haven't seen much this season, but when Kindle actually just stops trying to show off to people, guy's yes. got a brain on his shoulders and knows how to knows how to make these arguments. Very big of you to admit that because this is a very strong scene from my guy Kindle here for the next about five minutes. He has a good he has a good run. He attempts to cut through the BS. He says, "Look, I know your financing is starting to get wobbly." You don't want to you don't want to risk this on a vote any more than we do. So he says, well, look, what do I care? You know, if if we lose, we walk, we just go to the next company. Kendall says, nah, I, I don't buy that. Mm-mm. Rightly, rightly calling BS. He says, you, you'll have lost 50 million if you just walk to the next one. You want something out of this. You want to get something out of this. And Sandy wants to hurt dad. So let's just make a deal here. And you can see that when he he really can speak Stewie. Oh, yeah. He's, um, they're college it, friends. It's a, Absolutely. Great idea by Frank for that back channel because 
Kendall really is working Stewie pretty well here. And, uh, working is not right. I mean, he's just he's just having an honest conversation with well, him, and I think he is he, lobbying him in an effective way. He knows Stewie well enough to hit the notes. He knows yep. where he's nervous. He knows where he's weak. And the, the point that he emphasizes here is the most powerful one, because this is the most, I think, nerve-wracked we've ever seen Stewie, is when he said, I've got an inside track with my dad right now, and he's 100% yep. ready to take this to a vote. Stewie breaks any facade once he says that, because... He does. Everyone's he afraid just falls the over and that. says, oh, that would be stupid, Ken. Mm-hmm. That would be stupid. And then Ken says, look, he's a psychopathic narcissist. He thinks he can take this to the floor, drag back the undecideds with this big beefy Logan voodoo. And, you know, he might battle. be right. Who's to, who's to say he can't? And we cut there because that kind of landed with Stewie, as we find out later. Yeah, from here it's Cut just manage. As, as Kendall says, from here it's just managing egos. There's a deal to be had. Can we all just humble ourselves enough to make it work? Yep. Cut to the Roy's and Jerry gets a call from Stewie. They want to meet. They have thoughts. Logan thinks. Sort of gives her a nod. It's a very, very soft nod, but I think he he at least doesn't say no. Well, and this is one of the problems. This is a bit of a mild problem with the situation. Frank's plan, great, works out wonderful, but because Logan and Kendall are on the outs. He couldn't tell Logan that he did this. And so the fact that Stewie calls him, Logan sees this as blood in the water because he doesn't know what the prompting is. Yep. He thinks, he keeps saying, what do they know that we don't know? What has changed? Why are they weak? No one can tell him. No one can tell him. Nothing's changed. Kendall's just lobbied them. Because if he says that, Logan's going to be like, fuck all. I don't care. So Frank can't tell him, which is a big problem because Logan's right with the information he has. Why are they doing this at the 11th hour? What advantage do we have? He's missing the necessary data. They give a full perspective on it. Yeah. I, I, I honestly believe the right, the better move would have been for Frank to just say, look, Ken, talk to him. Like, I, I, I do think that would it have been great? No. I mean, Logan would have bellowed. I still think Logan would have been in a better position to make decisions. And I agree. That would have been better for everyone. I, I can understand um, why Frank didn't want to have himself nailed to the agreed. cross twice in one episode, but... It probably would have been better just to do it now. Yeah. Uh, he wants to know what's changed. Shiv gives him a pretty shallow line about it being the smart thing to do. And Logan dismisses that. Logan, what do they know that we don't know, Shiv? Let's find out. Logan, no, I'm not doing a tap dance. Logan sends Jerry. And they send Frank to go fill time at the local chuckle hut. Because my man Frank is doing a hard 15 all throughout this episode. How long? Just give it. He's an open mic night. Just go. Just go, Frank. Roll with it. Now you've you, you've done stand up before. You've done improv before. How long yeah. would you expect Frank just to just tap dance the way he does this episode? Because he goes on for like three times as long as I thought any normal human should be able to. He probably does this for like a half hour, forty five minutes, and that is unbelievably long. I don't know. I mean, and he doesn't sound like he's doing a bad job when we get a little bit of. I mean, is it boring? Yeah, but it's still professional. I mean, if anything, we get some like off-the-cuff reviews from like Hugo and Carolina. They didn't say anything bad about Frank. They pretty yep. heavily actually dumped on Jerry a little bit when she started her speech. So, if anything, I think Frank probably does the best of the speakers. I think he does. Um, so, then we have Kendall, who uh, calls Shiv and tells her, Look, I've got intel. Whatever the deal space you end up in, Sandy's going to be too obdurate to say yes. But mm-hmm. stay cool. Daughter Sandy apparently knows how to work her dad. Stay cool. Puppet master out! And hey, Shiv, of course, just says, I no longer wish to receive these calls. She immediately dismisses it. This is vital advice for Shiv later in this episode. And it's well meant. The guy, we're on this, they're on the same team, at least for this. 
Yeah, Shiv was completely wrong and out of not out of line, I guess, because they are on other sides of of the the, well, the fence here. But she, when she says, "I don't, I don't care, I don't want this information," she's I don't just want being prickly. She's being prickly, but he does help her get a deal later, and he has already helped them get a deal by getting Sandy uh, and Stewie to the table. Cut to Roman discussing Sandy. Does Sandy really have syphilis? What if he has sores all over his body? What if his groin's all eaten away and the top half of him just falls off? Jerry, syphilis. I believe we started that rumor. This is a really funny scene. I can't. I love that they have just no. It's become so much part of the discourse. They don't even know if it's fake or not anymore. It's like, it sounds like something we, we start. Did that? we start that? I can't remember. Carl, late stage syphilis, uh, late stage symptoms, uh, dementia, I believe. Roman, yeah, you've been doing some panicky late night googling there, Carl. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. That was funny. Yeah, great scene there. Uh, Jerry, Roman, Shiv, and Carl all arrived to see Sandy. 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 And Stewie. Sandy, Sandy, uh, with a, which one? Which one's Y and which one's I? I can't remember now. Daughter's the I. Daughter's the I. Guy's the Sa- Y. Sandy with a Y. We haven't seen him in a while. Man, is he looking rough. He's looking rough so much so that I thought there might be something wrong with the actor. There isn't. The no. actor's fine. This he's is doing just a, this is just acting. Yeah, he's doing a great I, job. I, I thought the actor had had like a stroke and they just built it in. Right? No, the, the actor's okay. This is just where they wanted to go with this character this day, that Sandy is in well, bad health. It adds a nice ambiguity to this scene to what degree, you know, we're, we're talking puppet masters throughout this episode. To what degree is Sandy with an eye actually controlling this situation or not? Yeah, I don't know. Stewie says they need to land on a deal because making options going forward. They land, need to land on a deal. Uh, making options going forward will accede to a continuation of a combined chairmanship and CEO roles. Basically saying, look, we don't want the leadership you guys are necessarily. In That's all you. We do want three board seats. She says, whoop, three board seats. Bang, guy, we can do that. I have full approval, absolute vested authority to give you those three board seats. They ask, hey, can we sign off on this right now? Sandy with an I, ask Sandy with a Y. He wants his costs covered and there's a lot of ands coming from Sandy with a Y this episode. Mm-hmm. Veto right over any Roy family member ever taking over a CEO. Which is obviously Whoa. intended as something they'll never accept. That's, he's intentionally just saying, what's something that I can make them swallow like broken glass? And that one's got to rank high. Just something to hurt Logan's pride. That's yeah. what every, every and this episode is, what can I do to hurt Logan's pride? Jerry immediately goes to Stewie. Stewie, seeming completely exasperated, says, that's what the man says. Yeah. It's a very important protection for us. I love the fact that, like, Sandy and Stewie teamed up. In the in the shadows to do yeah. this, Stewie's kind of done. He had the capital. Sandy had the political power to make this happen. They pulled it together, but this dream team is just about fractured because yeah. Stewie is over Sandy at this point. And I don't think he says we'll just walk and we'll go to the next one. I'd bet a lot of money that Stewie does not partner with Sandy on anything else. No, he seems no. completely over the man. Uh, he's he is thoroughly through working with that furious zucchini, furious zucchini. Roman. I just feel like I've got to put it out there. I've just got to say it because it's an $85 billion baby on the table here. Funk. How do I know he's not your meat puppet? Good question. <laughs> Very fair question. Because Sandy with an I just leans over to Sandy with a Y and he just goes, and she goes, well, what he wants is like, yeah, th- this ah, is, this ah. is Oracle. This is Oracle Adelphi, Adelphi shit right now. Like you're just interpreting words from the heavens. How do we know he's actually saying this? Sandy with, a, with an I, great line here. Oh, I just do what my dad tells me. 
Like wink, wink. This. Yeah. Damn. Uh, Jerry asks for time, and Stewie says, they have plenty of time, seconds, whole minutes. And it's funny because when he says that, both Sandys look at him like, you asshole. And he, he you, you catch in the background them bickering. I don't know if you yeah, caught that. It, it, he, walk he looks away. at him, he says, what do, you, what, what, what do you fuck you want from me? Do they have time? Like, you know. Yeah, as our team walks away, Stewie immediately turns to them and just says, what the fuck? Clearly, they did not tell him this before they threw this out. Yeah, he, he's pretty much over over these guys. It's pretty funny how we're getting that dynamic kind of tangential to who we're focusing on with the plot. As the yes. Roy party leaves, Sandy gets on Stewie, pushes back, like I said. Mm. Shiv doesn't like this deal, shocker. She says it fucks us and is designed to humiliate dad. That is true. It us is. being the kids, it does fuck us and designed to humiliate dad. Jerry says it's just optics. I'm not even sure it'll stand up. I'm not even sure it'll stand up. What do you mean? I, I think I think she's trying. They're going to gonna say write that, that shit into it. Like, what do you what do you mean? Not going to stand up? I, I think she's trying to argue that it wouldn't be legally enforceable. That it's a provision that would just be purely just puffing. That it's something you give him, but if he actually push came to shove, he would have no actual ability to act on that. If that was true, don't you think that Sandy's folks would have advised him that it, that's not something that what? they can I, and, ask for? I think Sandy may know that. I think he just, I, I, this is one of the things where I think Sandy actually wants a deal. I think Sandy actually does want a deal. Both Sandys. I think they're just trying to think of something humiliating just make they're trying to make logan walk through shit to accept this deal whether it actually has any power or not they want to humiliate him even if just by optics and i think this even if this isn't enforceable probably isn't the fact that logan has to agree to sign it and have that just hanging over him for a fight later is everything will be reported it'll be be reported reported publicly roman with all due respect jerry get bent Woo! trouble in paradise Oh, yeah. Jerry then seeds that it's humiliating. I'm 99% sure your dad will agree with that. But given where we're at, I got to check with him. Shiv asked Roman if Jerry's going to fuck them. Roman says, no, I don't, I don't know. Why, do you, why are you asking me? But he gets super paranoid about it. Hmm. Shiv is just making conversation. She literally is just turning and asking a question, like a, just a casual conversation. It's and Roman giving his hand. If Shiv's not paying attention to Roman, which she never does. But if she was, she would notice something was up with that answer. Because he got way too weird about it when she all she was is like, "Do you think she's gonna fuck us? Why are you asking me? Why would you think I would know? I don't know. You know." Yeah, if if, if we were if two of us were the siblings and we're in this situation, the first question we turn and ask each other is, "Jerry walks away. Who's the acting CEO? Is is she do, she, is she thinking this is a good idea because she she wants to she wants all the power and just leave us high and dry? That's a very fair question. But like you said, Roman's reaction is much more than the question deserves. Yeah, he absolutely gives his hand away, I think. Cuts to Logan. His security guy tries to give him water, but Logan won't take it. Keep putting that fucking in a, a list. I'm going to rant about this later. Yeah. Then Connor approaches Logan, asks to talk. Logan tries to shake him off, but Connor pushes. Connor posits the president, while in a shaky situation, will get reelected. Logan does not comment on that. Seems to not want to be speaking to Connor, but is not willing to be outright rude to him in this moment. Connor goes on to ask him for a significant role in the firm to, quote, burnish his reputation for his future. Logan just watches this, says, look, you were never interested. Connor, well, maybe I was never encouraged. Ugh, shut up. Shut, eh, shut up, Connor. Logan, well, I don't do ancient history. Logan says he doesn't think Connor has the track record. Rat battle Connor then proceeds. Well, Roman is a knucklehead. Shiv's a fake. Kenny's a screwy. Why can't I get a job? Logan can't really argue with that. And they just sort of settle in this ask of Connor saying he wants basically European cable networks. Like that's what he wants. Mm-hmm. And 
how would you interpret Logan's response? Because Connor interprets it as assent to what just Connor just proposed. Oh, hold on, hold on, Spencer. I, I gotta use the bathroom. I gotta pee. Gotta, gotta, gotta go piss. piss. I gotta piss. I gotta piss. Bring no, the cat that, with you. That's no what he does. He just goes, "I gotta pee," and he gets up. I I well, don't he, think he, that Logan. I don't. You asked me. You asked the question. What was my interpretation? I don't think Logan answered the question. What did you think? I interpret Logan's response as inherently non-committal. It was an acknowledgement of what Connor just said. It's in no way agreeing to it. And I, yeah, I think Connor was interpreting it how he wanted his dad to respond rather than what his dad actually said. Because Logan just kind of does a little head nod and then just goes, walks out of the room. Yeah, Logan's phone rings on the way out. Cut, <clears throat> cut to Roman and Jerry. Jerry starts to apologize, but Roman cuts him off. Throwing me overboard to drown? You picked your prince, Jerry. Don't fuck it up now. Woo! A little tense. A little tense between our, our lovers here. Our, our uh, dream couple. But, but, Roman being a little bit more direct about how he feels about the situation, I think generates a bit of a response by the end of this episode. Oh, it absolutely does. Jerry says it was a complete breakdown. They wanted the moon. Um, oh, no, hold on. This is my cat completely screwed up my notes here. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that my guy Roman makes a lot of headway with her when he's very direct with her. And I think she, fe- it seemed to me like for the first time, Jerry kind of felt like she fucked up. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah. But she kind of, it seemed like she was like, eh, yeah, I kind of, I kind of screwed this up. I think I needed, sh- she, I think she realized she needs to show him a bit of warmth and recognition that she's been pretty, she hasn't been negative. She's been just kind of cold business. And at a certain point she needs to let down her, her, her barriers a little bit when it comes to Roman. Yeah, they walk back up to Shiv, and she's getting off the phone with Logan. You don't mind me relaying the news, right? He's my dad, so... Well, it, like, I mean, isn't it, doesn't it appear a little bit that Shiv's jumping the gun a little bit in this moment? Yes. Because, I mean, they went back in, and Sandy kind of did a little non-committal of, well... She keeps saying, well, I think we got it. We're close. The lawyers can do this. It's like, I don't know that they agreed for sure. Because even Sandy just kind of said, we agree that it would be really dumb for y'all to fuck this up at the last moment. That's what Sandy said, basically. Yeah, and that's about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cut the Kindle. Stewie! I'm feeling it. Feeling those good vibrations. Let's get this done and trip the light. Fantastic! (laughs) He's got away with words. Yes, he does. Trip the light. Fantastic. Pete Kindle. Puppet master, Spencer. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Greg walks in. Wait, wait, wait. Celebrate your moments now. Because this is Kendall as, as high as he's going to get in this episode. It's just straight downhill from here. It always is. Look, it's Kendall, you yes. You can't be a Kendall fan. And it, like This is like being a Mike Tyson fan and expecting all the press to be positive. No. <laughs> you still like expect Tyson, him to you know win. Weird, yeah, he's going to win occasionally. He's going to win most of the time. But like weird shit's going to come out. And of course it is. Of course Kendall fucks it up later. But he does do a pretty good job. And I think he helps. He does help. He, as much as anyone, contributes to them still owning the company. Absolutely. Doesn't help himself walks one in. bit. Greg walks in and sees the PR lady he's interested in. I don't know. They're, yeah. they're really focusing on this. Uh, my, I think my theory that we're going to see something happen with these two, we got a lot of evidence for that because they really focused in on that, that conversation. He says, I wonder if you, I was wondering if you were going to be here. Her, yeah, I'm here just doing my job. Working it. Greg's working it. Mm-hmm. Then we have a f- great, a phenomenal conversation between Kendall and Greg. I found Indeed. this very fascinating. Kendall greets him and they go to talk alone. Greg, I'm sure you're probably pretty upset with me over the going to Waystar and their joint defenses. Kendall cuts him off, says, look, I get it. I get it. 
Greg, Hi. well, that's a huge relief because I've been summoned to see my gramps today. I don't want to be getting it from both ends. Kendall, but look, I may have to burn you. I'm going to pause there and get your early thoughts on how this is going. Well, I, I'm now realizing that Greg made a massive tactical error that I should have anticipated Greg would make. That he didn't tell any of the people that he was presently working with that he was going to abandon them and go on the other team. And that blows up in his face twice in this episode in very short order. Yeah, he does. Kendall says, look, we may have to burn you, Greg. Uh, sorry, what? Kendall lays it out. He says, look, it is what it is. But I wanted to get you up here to give you a little fair warning. Is that okay, Greg? Is it okay? <laughs> what, are you, what are you at? Like, it was a funny thing. Where he's like, yeah. how, do, how do I answer that question? Is it okay? This doesn't, it doesn't feel great. Kendall is then honest. If Logan strikes a deal, it strengthens his position. Lisa Ann says the DOJ is feeling a bit ambivalent about the case right now. So throwing them someone might get them to pick it back up, get a little juice going. And the more that we can get the DOG juice going, the more that we may be able to get someone to flip on Logan, which will inevitably improve my position of taking over the company. Makes sense. Kendall says, look, it's not my preferred choice. Greg tries to say, look, you, uh, you said you weren't going to do that. Kendall does not allow that. I am. Let's not. He said, she said this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I will burn you I'm saying I might burn you. It's a margin call. <laughs> Kendall then says, uh, Greg, uh, yeah, Greg then says, well, just how bad will the burning be? Even as I ask that, I can tell it's not going to be Kendall and actually comes over and pats him on the shoulder. Look at that. A little human moment between two characters. I, I believe show. that Kendall likes Greg. I, fully I think believe he does it. too. I think he really does too. He says, look, it's probably not going to matter, right? Because you're a bottom feeder. They're, they don't send the bottom feeders to prison. They'll probably fuck you and chuck you and get to the red meat. Kendall. Or. Or. You drop the joint defense, and there. Oh, it is. look at that! There look at that right on the table. Man's That's what he's games. doing. That's what he's doing the whole time. Yeah, uh, basically think... a little threat of his own. He hears Greg, guy he likes. He does say as he leaves, he says, "Greg, I like you. I do like you, and I believe that from Kendall." But he's basically saying, "You want to continue with this? You want to do the joint defense thing? Do it. Be my guest." But I might give your name over to DOJ. And this is Greg, this is Kendall doing what I said Greg didn't do. He's having the common courtesy to tell a business associate that if you proceed on this path, here's what I can do to screw you. That is effectively a generous gesture on on Kendall's part to even give Greg that kind of warning. Yeah. Uh, I also don't think Kendall's wrong that I can't picture the DOJ going against Greg that hard. Because A, Greg's going to roll over in a fucking heartbeat if the DOJ even just looks at him wrong. And B, Greg can, if they can get Greg on their side, he can bring down all kinds of people. I quite honestly think it's a little laughable that we even would consider that the DOJ would do anything to Greg. I mean, what, what Greg has done nothing wrong. What? Greg has literally just taken papers and put them somewhere. He wasn't in charge of cruises. He wasn't in charge of the cover-up. He just started working there last Tuesday. He, like, he did He did destroy documents, but it was at the clear instructions of superiors. He, the, the idea that he would somehow be implicated in this and be like like responsible in some way, it's like crazy talk. They, he, they're just doing this because the, it fits the narrative. It, it's easy for the characters. But in reality, everyone would know that Greg is a bit player and, what, and that the OJ wouldn't care about him other than whatever information they could feed him. Well, I mean, it's one of those he things that were... If the DOJ put Greg in a room and just sweated him for, I'll say, three minutes, not even five, just three minutes, that man would just start making shit up just to tell them something. 
everything would be coming out of him in a heartbeat. They don't need to threaten him. They just need to you know, just leave him alone for a minute. That's very true. Yeah. Cut to Greg meeting his granddad. Another great conversation here. He's uh, trying to be positive. One. Don't try to sweet talk me, kiddo. <laughs> I'm not an uncomplicated man, Greg. I know. Nevertheless, I have tried as much as I am able to show you love and compassion. You know what? Very formal here. Spencer, in you, his own way. Do you in his own that? way. Do you buy that? I think he thinks so, yes. And I think from his perspective, he's been supportive. And that's about the max love and compassion you can offer. However, by the end of this conversation, I got to see a bit of the love. End of the conversation, I got to see some of the actual feeling hidden behind all the layers of Roy protection. Greg, are you kidding? You're the best darn gramper out. Gramper. He then says, look, you asked me for help. I took that request serious. And now I hear you've dispensed with Roger's services, presumably to throw your lot in with my brother and his gang of crapulous shills without even so much as a telephone call. Now, I'm going to pause there. Massive fuck up from Greg. God, yes! Greg fired the lawyer that his grandpa set him up with at his own request. He asked his granddad to set him up with somebody without mm -hmm. even, even picking up the phone and telling his granddad that he's doing so. That is a massive fuck up on Greg's part. Greg, breaking his streak this week does not win honorable mention. Well, here's a question. In terms of level of fuck-up, not telling Ken or not telling Grandpa and Attorney? Which one was the bigger fuck-up? Because both are fuck-ups. Both were a mistake. Which one do you think ranks higher? I quite honestly think that it's the Grandpa. And here's my I, thing. Yeah, I agree. Because that's a that's an ally that he might be able to carry with him in perpetuity. That's, like, fam you know? that's family. <laughs> exactly. And, and by all accounts, Greg is the only person in this whole fucking three ring circus that the grandpa gives at least a margin of amount of care for. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's actually kind of important. And, and he owns a significant part of the company. He's on the board. So it's a good ally to have. I thought that was a really big screw up on his part. And Greg was looking to get a cool five million here. It was in the bag. It was in the written will. <laughs> He's been doing everything possible to hazard that for the last, for the last few seasons. And this is just now the final breaking point. Craig then says, well, maybe I should go around the block again with Mr. Pugh. I have known Roger Pugh for 55 years. You don't take him for a fucking ride anywhere. And I would like to point out that there was a lot of things that Ewan was doing in this conversation. But one of them that is not insignificant is posturing for his friend and showing yeah. his friend, I got you back. That is a that is an important thing that he was trying to accomplish in this conversation. And that was the sentence that got it done, where he, yeah. he said, you will not treat him that way. Like, that's just what he wanted to do. Yeah. Greg then pitches that maybe Ewan can help him with some financial support so that he can remain neutral. Fair kind of point here. Roger then speaks up and explains uh, that Ewan is transferring his entire estate to charitable endeavors. This takes Greg back. Ewan says he's given all his money to Greenpeace. Greg, even my part, Ewan, that was the first part. <laughs> Greg's like, how do you how do you even know which part was first? I love how Greg always like gets in the details way too fast. Oh, yeah. Ewan, because, Greg, your life is not a bagatelle because you are putting yourself in the service of a monstrous endeavor because you need to take yourself seriously kid and it's that last you one went out that, yeah it's that last one that had the most power because that was the final you and just talking to a grandson every time previously he's used words that we all had to look up in the dictionary to understand what the hell he was saying it was all with a level of formality and just kind of a certain element of sarcasm attached to everything this is finally the just grandfather just tired and disappointed just saying, son, if you're not going to take yourself seriously, who is? 
And yeah, that's solid advice for Greg. It's somebody he's been, he's been needing to have for a while. I don't think it registered though. I'm going to say this. This is a life lesson with Lee. We're going to bring that back from the Ted Lasso podcast we did. Life lesson with Lee. If your motives in life are good, just tell the truth. Because I feel like Greg could have gotten a lot farther here with you. And if he just said, hey, let me explain what happened here. Yeah. Logan scared the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. And I don't have any money. And I don't know how I'm going to pay Pew. And I'm terrified of this whole thing. And I thought this was the only way to keep me out of trouble with the DOJ. And that's why I agreed to it. You know what I'm saying? Like when your motives are pure, a lot of people have pure motives. And then it's the lie that gets you. It's the Richard Nixon thing. He just doesn't like, he should just tip his hand and say, look, this is why I did what I did. It's a totally reasonable thing. What he did to acquiesce to Logan out of fear the whole fucking world has done that with Logan. It's not going to yes. shock you and that someone got that Logan scared him. Like, tell him the truth, man. Yeah, but the mistake he already made was by basically not treating either Ewan or the attorney with courtesy. That if he'd yes. actually, if he'd gone into it and said, guys, this is where my headspace is at. This is what I feel obliged to do. I really appreciate everything you've done for me and the fact you came in on this, but. I'm afraid I'm think, really thinking about taking the deal. And I just wanted to come and tell you guys before I did it, just out of respect. If he'd done that, he'd probably still be an heir. But the fact that he's after the fact, having already done this and making no effort to explain himself, I agree. He's just screwed himself to no end. Well, he did a thing that a lot of young people do, which is... <laughs> Greg does they, a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, look, sorry if this offends you if you're a young person. I'm, I just just something I've noticed in life. They they do something that is uncomfortable or they get themselves in an uncomfortable situation and they want to put it out of sight, out of mind. And so they just don't deal with it anymore. You know, like he, he signed that thing with Logan and he just wanted to forget it. Yeah. He just wanted to get away from it. But the, the fact of the matter is he still had like, he still needed to do some follow through with it. Even as uncomfortable as it was, he still had to talk about it. Some like, I feel like he, he had this thing happen with Logan. It was, it sucked. Uh, he, he chugged the rum at nine o'clock in the morning. Thousand dollar rum. Yep. After that rum chugging with the Coca Cola, he said, "I just don't want to talk about this anymore. I don't want to think about this anymore." And that was a mistake, obviously. Well, he th- he thought about it in private. He thought about what he wanted. That's a conversation he could have had with other people. I, and just I Tom, agree. he's he's wrong. I was just trying to get there. Like what I he was maybe thinking. It's the mindset. Because we know that Greg doesn't have an evil mindset, right? So I'm just trying to get it. Like where where why did this happen? Yeah. Cut to Hugo and Frank walking up to the stage. Uh, they send Frank out there, and his teleprompter has Jerry's remarks on it. She <laughs> just rolls, rolls in it. And, just rolls yeah. with it, though. Frank's on on point. Amazing, right? This is, He's really good. Shiv walks in, and everybody claps. And boy, does she like that. I don't know if you've noticed. they This actress, Sarah Snook, I think is her name? Yeah. Phenomenal job at showing Shiv's ego in small moments. When they oh. clap for her, she does this little, like, bend and, like, pirouette, like, thank you. She clearly loves the adulation. She loves being told she did a good job. The the actress does smug perfectly. Perfectly. And it just excels in this episode at several moments. I should have just let you say it. That was, that was very well put. That's what I was trying to say. She does caution the deal's not done yet. I would caution the deal isn't remotely done yet. Not not like a little bit not done yet. Like what? not remotely done yet. Mm. Roman, still waiting for that call. Roman says, Dad, you would have fucking loved it. Sandy is barely alive. You could have told him to go fucking eat his own diaper and his only response would have been, bug, bug. now, look, not trying to make fun of people who are disabled. I am not trying to do that. I am trying to say that Roman is a funny man. <laughs> yeah, but... If you ever if you ever want a moment that should include them in that their dad was not fully there, 
The fact their dad doesn't respond to the fact that Sandy is indeed practically incapacitated in a vegetable should really have told them that he's not fully present. Because I got the impression that the Sandy folks were kind of hiding him. Yep. They didn't want him out in front of everything. And it's it's in all likelihood Logan didn't quite know the seriousness of his condition. And the fact that he's like that bad off, you would think that Logan would respond to that. Very good point. Roman, well, they could have said yes in Greece. Um, Logan says they could have said yes in Greece and saved us all the ball. Like, again, going back to your point, Logan continues to think, why now? Why did this change? What is prompting this? Yeah. And he just needs that final piece to be connected for him. Kendall did it, but no one's willing to say it to him. Jerry says, it's good news. And Logan says, well, it's good for them, bad for us. They were always going to settle. Something screwy is going on. Do we give them a taste of their own medicine? Let everybody know they bent for me. He always makes everything like weirdly like sexual and yeah, yeah, and yeah. Shift pushes back and Logan Bellis tell him he can't step foot inside the building. Jerry comes in and says, look, I know how painful this is. She can almost speak Logan a little bit. I know how yeah, painful this the is. The Logan whisperer. But we need this. Shift Christ, Dad. You just said it's not far off from what we originally offered. We fucked this deal and there are no more deals. Logan gets quiet, looks around. Shift seems to take this as an okay. Did you take this as an okay? Well, I think he even kind of mumbles like, it's almost like a Connor kind of dog. It's it's barely over that line. Question. At any point today from the moment he got out of the car, was Logan at even 75%? No. He started at 30 and eventually got to two. Yeah. So he's honestly, I think, a little bit confused at at this moment as to what's going on. I don't think he's... I think he's just kind of instinctually responding rather than fully processing the information he's getting. Yeah, because what's happening here, I'm just going to medically diagnose the situation if I Please. Would, if I, I mean, obviously qualified. Absolutely. Is he's got a UTI that's an infection. His, his fever is spiking. And so that's why he's kind of in this weird, crazy fever dream. That mm-hmm. doesn't happen, snap your fingers. That no, happens as your no, temperature rises. Your body, as your body is unsuccessfully fighting the virus or the infection, uh, it gets worse and worse. So I think he's like in that sort of like starting to get marginally more confused by the minute type of situation mm-hmm. to your point. Shiv keeps babbling about how smart it is. Tom tries to hug Shiv as they walk off and it's awkward. One thing I noticed this episode, Tom really tried to initiate a lot of physical contact with Shiv. I'm not even talking about that scene where he's trying to hump her in the hallway. I'm just talking about like regularly. He tries yeah. to initiate a lot of contact with her. The actress, every single time he approaches Recoils. her, recoils puts elbows up she pushes him back every step of the way and what's fascinating to me about this is that for since the season finale of season two till now tom has been the distant one that she has been trying to get back into the fold you would think that she would now would be if he's showing a little bit of physical attention and affection she would want to participate in that right because she's trying to make sure he's still in the fold that he's not leaving her like it seemed like he was going to do at the end of season two but her just natural gut reaction to that guy is she is just not into it. Not mm-hmm. into it. I don't think she finds him attractive. I'm going to be honest with you. Poor Tom. That's my theory. I think she doesn't find her own husband attractive. What a situation to be in. Yeah, it's bad. Cut to Kendall watching Frank. Says it's embarrassing. After all these years, he keeps having to play uh, maitre d' at the bistro of bullshit. One oh, thing, yeah. They, when the guy comes the, up and asks Logan if he the, wants some Advil or something. Well, Logan... We see him repeatedly say, because he's still, even though he's getting a little bit delusional, knows he needs to take his pills. But he's too far gone to know to know what that means anymore. So he just keeps repeating pills, 
but because nobody else was informed by what that means, no one can help him. So he's literally got the pills in his suit jacket. That he but he's needs. too far gone to and know where pills. they are or anything else. And the the Colin, the security guard, just keeps pumping it full of Advil and Tylenol because that's all he knows to give him. Wouldn't have taken Carrie much to just tell Colin he's got he needs his pills. He needs to take him a certain period. Colin would have gotten that shit done. I also like the details they do. He gives him Advil first. Advil not necessarily does not necessarily knock out a fever the way Tylenol does. Tylenol comes second. If he'd have started with Tylenol, maybe it would have been different. I don't know. Mm. Kendall's phone rings, and Kendall hears that the rabbit is indeed sick. No, didn't take long. Did not take long. Kendall asks about the bagel and Bianca, the the ratted out babysitter from that rat kid that Kendall has points out that she told him, no, nah, I told you not to give, the, I, I said it was a bad idea. Kendall says like, like how about this? Call our doctor. <laughs> He's saying, I tell you, Kendall will take a sledgehammer to a nail in a heartbeat. Call yeah. our doctor. If, if he can, if he can work on humans, he can work on a rabbit. Not the way that works. No, it's so not the way it works. You can't even go to a regular vet for rabbits. You actually have to find a specialty vet. They're viewed as exotic animals by, in, term, in terms of the veterinary community. So even finding a rabbit vet can be a challenge, much less just taking them to a human doctor and expecting him to do shit. Cut to the Roy War Station, and Greg is trying to talk casually. And Roman basically tells him not to. I don't know if you caught that small moment where Greg mm-hmm. leaned down. And then Roman was like, what are you doing down here? Like, Miss, like get the fuck away, Greg. Shiv comes in, asks Carolina how the release is going. Shiv asks Carolina how the re- uh, release is going. She's working on it. Yeah. She then asks who's going to announce it. And it sounds like Carl and Jerry both want the job. Same I'm going to tell you this. Carl is a snake. Mm-hmm. Carl's a snake. I, I'm team Frank. I'm not team Carl. I don't like Carl. Because the whole fucking day, Carl refuses to get up there and talk until there's a deal. And then he can't wait to be like, look, you guys have done enough. Let me jump yeah. out there. I'll do it. He's a fucking snake. Jerry gets a call, announces it. Sandy, Connor, which one? Jerry, <laughs> the one that can talk. talk. Jerry seems distressed on the call. She gets off and says they have one more provisor. And that and I kept saying that keeps coming from the Stewie camp. And they want to take away the private jets. Which now, Spencer, you live, you live in the world of the rich and famous. You yourself, very rich, very famous. Explain the situation with the private jets, what this means, what they're asking the Roy's to sacrifice in this situation. Okay. In I, I my rely ent- on you for this type of thing. Okay. Let's do a point of comparison here. In my entire life, I've flown first class once because it was the only tickets that were available. You, sir, I think I remember I've flown first class and business class a few times. I've flown first class a couple of times, but never, never that I paid for it. <laughs> Good enough. Never flown on a private plane before, have no concept of it. But to them, as we saw this previously with Connor, when he had to actually fly commercial back from Europe, this is just unimaginably insulting and unacceptable. They cannot ponder the idea of having to travel with the masses as they go about in their constant jet setting around the country. To me, this is the most minor concession possible. And it's something that, again, wouldn't be enforceable. It's just meant as an insult. They should have rolled over on this one quick. And I think Logan, if he'd been fully lucid, would have agreed to roll over on this one quick. But they're not in that state and Roman's feeling punchy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I didn't. I, I mean, they're billionaires. Like, yeah. They can just pay for a fucking chartered flight anytime they Out want of their to. own pocket. What? Who cares? Yeah. So I don't, it's not going to make them like fly southwest. Yeah, like that's you don't not need- going to happen. 
it's it, yeah the world they're imagining is that oh my god if they can't comp this we're gonna have to fly commercial everywhere but as you just noted no you just have to pick out a pocket you cheapskate yeah so shiv says to eat it and tell them to fuck off later which is exactly what you were talking about spencer I, one thing i noticed is this episode you and shiv locked up you big shiv guy now you you and shiv locked up one-on-one carl then wants to limit the personal use or do a mileage cap. So he's like in the weeds. Typical CFO stuff, right? Like, hey, we can make this work. Let's just let's just haggle the details. It's really not a big thing. Roman. Bullshit. No. First they came for the PJs and I said nothing. Then they came for the outsized compensation payments, you know. Okay. Yeah, it's tough. That's yeah. a tough one. Th- this one's hard yeah. for me because I love to laugh at Roman's inappropriate jokes. But when you compare your private jet privileges being taken away from the company... That your father built to the to Holocaust. Nazis. <laughs> it's not a great Roman. This is not the guy. This is not the analogy analogy you want to start with, really. Question for you: Is this be, is this more or less cringy than when he told the homeless guy, previously homeless guy, you never call? Uh, the entire scene with the homeless guy well exceeds anything Roman does this episode. Okay, Roman's a hard no on this. They all look to Logan, and he says, "I need a purse." Piss count four. We're at piss count four this episode. People should be reading the Logan then asked for Tom's help. Tom now is the bathroom aid. Mm-hmm. Shows where, I think this shows, you know, because he's he's obviously, his fever's getting higher and higher. He's kind of getting more and more out of it. But I do think this, like, shows kind of deep down what he thinks of Tom. He's like, hey, Tom, come help. You, you, you're not really needed here. Like, come help me take a piss. Well, he does later refer to Tom as son, which has led some people online to ponder whether he's actually imagining that Tom is, like, Connor or Kendall or somebody other than Tom right now. Which, maybe. Shiv prods him for a decision. Logan says nothing. He walks off, and they're all left a little stunned. Shin then, Shiv then sends Carl out, and off he goes. And we see Frank introducing Carl, and that snake Carl walks up and says, I'm not going to talk, so good luck. And Frank, pro that he is, just smiles and goes, yeah, 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 yeah. excellent yeah. news. And you can hear him, you can hear him in the background of the, like the, the mic, I'm going to do what he did. He goes, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, excellent news, excellent, excellent news, wonderful news, wonderful news. Okay. Professional now, man. So good. Man, he's really good. And he says, much ado about something, nothing. Carl, again, got that hard 15 at the local chuckle hut. He's doing his time. Jerry uh, walks up to Logan. Uh, Logan just goes, uh, uh, fuck him. So there you go. That's Logan's decision. Fuck him. Again, Logan's not thinking. He's clearly delusional. Wait a second. Wait a second. This is what I wanted you do you really think that he's 100% delusional here? Because I think that, like, he still would have said no. I think he would have said no to this. No, I think he would have said yes. I, I, I think he's been willing to eat shit before to a certain degree. Uh, I think he might have had at least a, a better response than just no right now. Does it, he did He did literally when the DOJ came and said, We're, we have a search warrant. He said, tell him to fuck off. There's the de- he does have that gear. He does have that gear. I think he pre... As, as it noted, he previously offered almost exactly this in Greece. Willingly. I may again, it's Logan. The man has a hell of a power of persuasion if he's talking to people directly. He might be think he can win this outright, but I'm inclined to think he would have actually had a different response than just fuck him right here if he was thinking straight. Shiv keeps asking for a rationale. Jerry plainly states it's a big call, and Logan just walks off. Ask a security guard for pills. Yet again. 
Pills, pills, need the pills. The pills, yeah. big dummy. Logan, you big dummy. They're in your fucking suit jacket. Not thinking straight. Roman, Roman, Jerry, Shiv, and Carl are wondering how Logan is doing. Roman, look, he's okay. He's gambling the company because he's a fucking badass, okay? Shiv questions if it was a definite no. Roman and Jerry both agree. Yes. It was a, it was no. a no. We saw it. It was a no. If we do come, th- then Tom, if we do come through, this is one for the memoirs. It really is quite thrilling. <laughs> Speaking for the audience. <laughs> yeah. Jerry, oh God, I just wish I knew the thinking. But he has been here before. So this is where I think the mystique of Logan can be a handicap for an organization. Yeah. Because they're unwilling to put themselves in a mindset where they should qu- actually question his decision. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just they keep saying like well I, I don't know it's logan we have to say yes like that sort of like intimidation and complete control over an organization really inhibits uh their flexibility oh, no. in a it, situation like this it was the thing i was going to mention on relationship advice at the episode at the end but yeah it the, logan's a classic example of like some of the great men of history that their greatest flaws they never imagined a world without them in it and so they never built something that would allow for the idea of succession because it was just never part of the world that they pondered sorry show drop name right there but it's Ooh, really apparent profession. right here that there's such a top, there's such a, it's the house of cards. There's such a keystone army that the moment Logan gets under the weather, the entire organization collapses, both from not having independent control previously, but desperately afraid that if he recovers, what will happen? If our audience has ever seen Death of Stalin, this is very Death of Stalin from here on out. Roman says he always knows something. He's dad. He's always six moves ahead. I'd like to pause here and say that the Roman's idolizing of his father is really in black and white this episode. Yeah. And just how unhealthy it is is really on display. Shiv then nervously laughs and says, okay, we're doing this? Fuck him. I'll make the fucking call. Sandy gets a call from Shiv. Hey, so uh, no, uh, either you fault on the Jets or we take our chances on the vote. <sighs> San- she, Sandy's like, seriously? Why? Like, she's like annoyed at this. Yeah, like, this why was would you obviously, do this? This was obviously intended just to thumb your nose. This is not a big deal. Really? This? But And she, Shiv, great line. I don't know. I just do what my dad tells me. Well done. Okay, you gotta Shiv give Shiv tells, some credit this episode. She does do some, you know, impressive enough moments. Sure, yeah, she has some good moments. Shiv then yells for Greg and gives him a handwritten note for Frank, which basically just says, keep it going. Continue keep it going, camping. Frankie. Come on, Frankie. Come on, blue eyes. Keep it going. It's impressive at this point. Cut to Shiv walking back in the room. Well, fuck, that's done. Tom is trying to hype her up. And then we hear Logan, what's going on with the raisin? Call Michelle Ann. Tell her to get the FCC to shut this meeting down. He's just, he's at like, what would he say his percentage, operating percentage is here now? Seven? Uh, he's low. This man needs more RAM. He needs it very quickly. This is getting rough. I mean, he's basically, Tom, re- yeah. he's, he's repeating talking points that he considered episodes ago. That's just all that's going through his head. Hey, Spencer, uh, pause. I got to use the bathroom. Okay, go piss. I got to piss. I got to piss. Logan again needs to piss. Piss count five, six, something like that. We're at five, six. Tom then takes off to take Logan to the bathroom. Greg, uh, you guys uh, off to the bathroom? Logan, what fucking business of it is yours? I love that line. Like, Greg is like, shit, just fucking trying to be a human. Cut to the floor, and they are bringing Sandy in. This is a big deal. I think they're thinking that it's going to be a vote now because they actually brought Sandy in in front of people which he has been kind of hidden before now. Kendall's talking to Stewie. Kendall, look, I don't know what they're thinking is, all right? It's fucked. Stewie bemoans that Kendall is supposed to be the inside track man. You're supposed to have the inside track here, Kendall. What the fuck is going on? Kendall, where did the Blaine bullshit come from? He kind of pushes back on him. Because that's petty. Stewie, 
We are a complicated coalition, and Sandy is the angriest fucking vegetable. I love Stewie so much. He's such a great character. We are a complicated coalition, and Sandy is the angriest fucking vegetable. Mm-hmm. Kendall then says he can salvage this and says, I'm on my way to talk to them. Stewie, speaking for all of the viewers, good luck. Stewie, the fucking belligerent zucchini here is set to close the negotiations for good. <laughs> Kendall, hang tight. Puppet master's on it. Puppet master's on it, Spencer. I feel for Stewie here. I just went off this ship. Please get me away from these incompetent, angry people. I really, you know what? I, th- I feel like he's gonna like. I feel like he's gonna like. What what is Stewie gonna do next? Like D- the equivalent of two middle fingers just walking out of the room at some point. It's going to happen in some way. I feel like he's gonna like work with a municipal government to build like a fucking local park or something. He's gonna do something. <laughs> he needs a palate cleanser are, are, after are you, this nonsense. Are you suggesting he's going from here to Parks and Rec? That's what's gonna happen. I think he's just he'll come back. I just think he needs a little time away. He seems completely like he's open like his partner in crime here the guy who's making this all happen for him he's openly mocking and calling a fucking vegetable yeah. like i mean he's done he's done with this he needs his period in the wilderness he cuts to the bathroom and logan screams logan looks like he's in legit physical pain now before he just seemed a little off now he looks pained tom comes into the stall asks, did you get it caught did you catch it kind of a creepy thing he's trying to be helpful and supportive here um, Seems Tom to points out that Logan kind of well with Logan too, as well. Tom points out that Logan is shivering. Of course, he is high fever. Logan, thanks, son. This is the moment you're talked about. Where mm. I, I honestly don't think, like, I mean, he is his son-in-law. I hope like, he honestly means this to Tom. I really, actually do, because Tom. Seems but you're to not. Really- so you're not. You're not married. But like, your in-laws often will call you like son. Like that's not an yeah. uncommon thing. Like I didn't even take that as being particularly weird. I actually kind of thought he knew it was Tom. I interpreted it the same way as you did, but it seems like the broader internet said, oh, this is further sign that he's delusional. He's not even realizing who Tom is. And they're seizing on that in the next conversation with Shiv, he sees her as Marsha. So I think either side... Internet, you're wrong. I'm telling the internet (laughs) they're wrong. No, I think he knows it's Tom. I think he just calls Tom's son sometimes. I I think that's that's completely normal. uh, And I also think he's in a really fucking, um, really fucking vulnerable situation and so like he, he's more apt to be a little bit more effusive uh, uh royal history question for you by the way you talked about how this Uh-oh. is kind of like a, a fail this it's a, it's a little bit i'm gonna give you the answer but it's this is a bit of a demeaning thing for tom he's called around to just kind of monitor uh um, logan's pissing one of the yeah. most powerful like ministerial figures in um in royal england back during the time of the uh when kings had significant power was a position called groom of the stool it's essentially, this was the guy that would help the king take a shit and help manage his hygiene. And it got to the point that this guy got so powerful. Did he wipe? Did he wipe the king? He would wipe the king. He would manage, help advise in the king's diet. He would help assist with the process of the king taking a shit and peeing. And given, you know. Vibrator to the stomach? I don't think they had that technology then. Maybe it was <laughs> steam powered. I can't assume. But it, to a certain degree, this became one of the most powerful officials in the realm. Because they got private time alone with the king. Nobody else would be there when the king took a shit. It would just be this guy and the king. Which gave him incredible amounts of influence. Also, if you're eating a diet that gives you just constant digestive issues, nowhere near enough fiber, uh, horrible cases of um, gout that they're just suffering from. The guy cheese all the time. Uh, cheese and meat. It's all they ate. If the guy that helps you actually go to the bathroom, you would learn to really like and care for that guy. So... 
as much as we may mock the position, I like that it has a certain connotations of where Tom has now been appointed the groom of the stool. I thought you were going to be like, well, there was this emperor, Nero, and he had a slave boy that he really liked. You've already heard that story. I don't repeat stories, do you? Cut to Carl. He gets a call from Michelle Ann and says she's trying to talk to Logan, but he's not picking up. Carl says Michelle Ann says it's urgent, Roman. Tell her he... Uh, he'd have time to talk if we weren't fighting the fucking DOJ. So this is like, actually like a, he recycled a Logan line from last episode, right? Just the a end bit, of last yeah. episode. Logan said basically the same exact thing. Carl then translates that for Michelle Ann in a much nicer tone, obviously, because they are talking mm-hmm. to the White House. Mm-hmm. Tom and Logan walk back in. Tom, Shiv, your dad is totally out of it. I'm going to level with you. He is off the fucking reservation. Logan then addresses Shiv as Marsha, tells her not now, not now. I need to rethink my speech and I need time. So thank you, Marsha. Thank you. She have a uh, fuck. What? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. when he, he says, he says Marsha and he kind of puts his hand up to touch her. Shiv like recoils like, Oh God, no. Oh, this is going to get really, really <laughs> awkward. Quick. Uh, uh, Tom goes to tell them uh, all that Logan is not himself. So he's going to tell the rest of the, the Waystar Royco crew here what? that Logan is not himself. Uh, remind me. Didn't Logan get, like, high on painkillers in, like, season one and thinking that Shiv was Marsha, like... Grabbed her, her hand, hand and tried to put it to put it in his pants, yep. We're getting we're getting way too much incest in this family, sir. That's why I think she had a little trauma there. When he said, you're Marsha, she's like, oh, no, not no, again. He's gonna nope, 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 nope. Yeah, uh, Shiv then calls Carrie and asks if Logan is on any medication. She says, well, he has a UTI, and he'll get confused and disoriented if he doesn't take his UTI medication. Shiv ask where they are and she says well i left them with him but i'm on my way i've got thoughts shiv then browbeats carrie which um i don't think is necessary is, at all it's a complete it, waste of time unnecessary yes merited nah, we're, we're debating that complete waste of time and she's not the right person to do it shiv announces logan's uti to everyone in roman doesn't get very concerned but connor connor knows much this. older has to explain that a UTI can, quote, make you crazy. Rogan had one and nearly nuked Belgium. Potential line of the episode. Is, is that true? Is this did, true? Is this rooted in, in uh, truth? Reagan did famously have a UTI. Uh, we actually took him to the hospital. I do remember that in, like, 86, in the middle, middle part of his presidency. I don't I don't know for sure if he was about to nuke Belgium. It seems like something that someone just added into the situation. Yeah, Shiv freaks. Uh, yeah, I didn't think he was really about to nuke Belgium, but I was wondering if he had, had struggled with he, the UTI. He did, it sounds yeah. like he did. Shiv uh, Freaks wants to know how long he's been like this. There's to question if the earlier no was a real no. So Shiv start, now Shiv is starting to do the, well, let me try to see if I can massage the situation to get the answers that I want to out of it. Roman suggests that they give him some cranberry juice. Thank you, Roman. Great. Start there. Ro- start Ro- there. Roman has, I'll tell you what Roman has done. Roman has had sex with some women that he shouldn't have sex with. And that's yeah. why he knows UTI cranberry <laughs> juice. That's how he hey, knows it's that. It's actually good advice. Should drink more cranberry juice. He's learned that the hard way. Tom reports he's asking for Caroline and Shiv. Oh, fuck. He's piss mad. Then we get the phrase. Save put it on one. a t-shirt. Phrase of the episode, piss mad. Save that one. We're Cut. using that one in it's the future. Piss mad is incredible. It's, a, it's real strong. This show delivers. I'm telling you. Connor and Shiv start doing a little CSI succession here trying to go back and figure out exactly when he went off the rails well he was clearly like he was clearly fine when he gave me european cable he was great perfectly fine then and shiv goes okay so whenever that was he was already out of it she uses that as a baseline so that is he clearly was out of it then yeah 
Roman keeps pushing that the no from Logan may have been the right call and they need to stick with it. He does not get off of this. Roman keeps saying, he said no, we should hang with the no. If Logan was conscious enough to deliver a speech, no is a viable enough strategy. At least has pretty good, decent enough odds. If Logan can't be there to offer a body, no is utterly foolish. It has no hope. You know, and... and when Roman's doing this all episode, I keep thinking of that Roman quote that he provided earlier this season. I don't think he's in he talking about Logan. Roman said, "I don't think he's infallible. I just think he's never failed and never will." Like that, that always rings in my mind a little bit. Yep, Tom. No, no, no. I suspect he's been piss mad for quite a while. Roman. Oh, do you, you fucking Hercule? Herc <laughs> do you the and fucking Hercule Poirot of fucking piss over here? <laughs> the great detective Poirot of fucking piss over here. Tom asked Shiv if she should. Um, overrule him and go back to Sandy and Stewie. Roman, yeah, yeah, do that. Dad loves that type of thing. Yeah, do that. Overrule him. That, that sounds really great. He loves uh -huh. that. Jerry is firm that they can't do that. Bad idea. Hugo then comes over and says Logan insists on still doing the speech. Carolina asks if Logan can still do the speech. Seriously, what the fuck, Carolina? I'm like, no. What is wrong with her? Why is she asking if he can do the speech? She's you distracted. You, you like Carolina. I do. She's distracted. She's working on the. She's working on the, the statement right now. She, she's every now and then was just looking up at, Ken, at, at Logan, looking like this guy doesn't look great. She's still playing catch up, maybe. I don't know. I thought that was a really, really poor suggestion on her well, part. Even, and it, you know, they all then they all start like this crazy thing of like, well, maybe we can just put him up there. Like, yeah, maybe prop we can him up. Just get the body up there. What the fuck? Roman, can he do the speech? The demented fucking piss-mad king of England? She says not. they need to drop him. Jerry and Carl agree it would be nice to get him on the stage. Connor, oh yeah, sure. Send him up through a trap door surrounded by dries. Aside, <laughs> I think they should be doing that at every fucking shareholder. Meeting. Oh yeah, That's how Logan cheer. should enter. That's how he should enter this, the stage every single time. This should just be standard. Yeah, flames. Hugo then comes back and, yeah, absolutely. Hugo then comes back and says he's concerned there's a, he, he being Logan is concerned there's a dead cat under his chair. Rabbit comparisons. Rabbit comparisons. Seriously. Here it is. Here's my rant. Seriously, Spencer. Your guy is such a fucking egotist. Yeah, yeah. Logan. That he puts himself in a position where he's hallucinating dead cats in the middle of a shareholder meeting that could decide the fate of the company. Because he can't so much as be relied upon to acknowledge the fact that he's sick drink a bottle of water and take a pill he is a child and here's what bugs me about this is if kendall had gotten high on drugs and been completely out of it for a really important thing for the company he'd catch all manner of hell when i think the two things are absolutely comparable all it is is two people not not dealing with their no there, there's two people not dealing with their medical situation like that's what it is that's a fair enough and, and people would destroy kendall for it and logan gets a complete pass here from everyone and he's getting past he's going to get a pass from the fans he'll get a pass from everybody in world but the reality is he is responsible for his own health and he has been completely irresponsible with his own health in such a way as to put him in a position where he cannot make accurate decisions and he put the company at a huge yeah. amount of risk. Like, he deserves a massive amount of shit for what he did this day. It's a, it's reflective of an entire flaw in the entire... It's a reflective of a flaw in the entire corporate apparatus that 
there isn't a fallback plan or there isn't any kind of openness that anyone is there to assist when Carrie, apparently the one person that controls whether Logan lives or dies, is sent off on a different mission. There are flaws rampant in this. I sympathize a little bit with Logan here because, like you noted, I think he started the day already off. And I don't think this was a conscious choice. I think it just spiraled. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying that, like, I think that he's... I think I made my point right. That, that I, I, I like the you. comparison to I like the comparison to Kendall being like being laced out on drugs. It's two people not taking care of their medical okay. condition and putting others at risk because of it. Kendall would have got destroyed for it. It would have stuck with him. He'd never heard the end of it. Logan, everybody goes, oh, that's just Logan being Logan. But meanwhile, he about lost the fucking company. He did. We're also in a world of where I can never imagine a scenario where Logan would have delivered the speech on stage that Kendall does before the end of this episode. That's a separate issue. We'll talk about that when we get there. And you will you will get concessions for me on that. I issue. will enjoy getting them. I Look. just think that I just think that like how like Logan needs to catch more shit for this. It was a completely irresponsible move right. on his part. And Fair this idea enough. that Logan's infallible. He has a huge, glaring, fat, massive weakness but that's been exploited health. in two straight episodes it, now. It, his ego and his health are leading him to, are, are, are failing him in ways they've never failed before. Shiv then gives another handwritten note to Greg for Frank. Poor Frank. Still up there. Still going. Hey, Still you know vamping. what? Still did I tell you the one about the, did I tell you the one about the cruise ship? Ooh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't say that one. Did I tell you the one about the, uh, Carrie comes in and Shiv again starts, she browbeats her. Logan, um, she says, well, Logan didn't want anybody to know there's a shocker. Mm. And, 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 is that Kendall Royce music? Oh, God. Kendall enters the arena. Oh, God. You want to talk about unproductive there he is. moment? You talked about Woo! unproductive things to say. Kendall's full of them right here. There he is. Kendall's in the building, folks. It's an interesting moment because he actually comes into the war room. He comes in the Waystar Royco war room and starts blasting everybody for not making a deal. Now, I'm going to be honest with you in this scene. I think Kendall had a great opportunity here to show leadership. Huge opportunity. And he's not, he's not going to get a lot of them with this family. No. He could have come in and said, hey, guys, something's wrong with him screwing this deal saying no to this deal is a real problem here's the reasons why here's why it's going to hurt all of you can can i help you all figure this out like what can i do to be helpful yes that would have been that would have shown leadership and he would have gained help from other he, he would have potentially started building a coalition but no no kendall cannot miss a moment to kick himself in the balls and mm -hmm. what does he do he starts ranting and raving about how they are going to destroy everything that he's fought and bled for. When he says, when I fought and bled for, like, me, Kendall fan, just fell into my chair and went, did, oh, God. Did, did you see Jerry's reaction when he said that? Yes. Yes. She, she does the classic head cock of, what the fuck? It's like, what? What a fucking idiot. He had such a great moment here with Logan out of commission and them really needing help to get this deal figured out, and he completely fucked it. So... This is the, the first of two massive fuck-ups from Kendall here. He, we, we talked about how he did, did a good job earlier. He did, but yep. this is a massive fuck-up here. I do enjoy, though, about this, this massive fuck-up from Kendall. And I don't know if you've noticed this, Spencer, that whenever we get a chance for Shiv and Roman together to cuss someone out, they will it's team thoroughly up. entertaining. They're great at cussing yeah. people out, aren't they? they work They're so good well. that I actually wrote it down. Here we go. Shiv, you're not welcome here. 
<laughs> oh, like she comes out of the box with that Kindle. You fix it. You fucking fix it, Roman. You may go. You're excused. Shiv, you're not welcome. You have no right to be here. Roman, thanks very much for your concern. Please leave. Go, delusional. Thank you very much for your concern. You probably slipped him something. Fucking Putin. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Putin. I like a P Putin got here. Well, how lovely. Fucking Putin. And then he just like screams fuck to himself. Yeah. He's so angry at Kendall. I love, I do love when Shiv and, and Roman can team up and cuss somebody out. Then we get Logan asking why Frank is so mad. He thinks Kendall is Frank. Funny moment. Genuinely funny moment here, though. What? Almost, Tom almost goes, Tom says... Yeah, it was, it was kind of a great moment where Tom goes, well, somebody was mean to Frank and somebody's nasty to Frank and Logan is upset and he goes, I'm the only one who's allowed to be nasty to Frank. <laughs> that was, I believe that's, that's in there. Yeah, <clears throat> That's in I, there, right? That's in the core of Logan. He no, believes no, that. It's one of the things that we're like, you know, we talk about Logan and Logan and Kendall being, you know, mirror edge in some way. Uh, they both really like Frank. They really do value Frank. And I think Logan really does come from the heart when he says, no, no one else can be mean to Frank. That's not, that's not being right. nasty to Frank. Only I'm about to be nasty to Frank. Cut to Frank on the podium. He gets another note. He throws it to Jerry. I love this. He finally has had enough. He says, you know what? Fuck it, Jerry. Because Jerry's you're trying the to CEO. Tell him, Get out here. Jerry's trying to tell him, keep going, keep going. You're doing great. And he's like, I know. And he goes, fuck and you. here she goes. As she walks out, she calls him a cowardly prick. Fuck off, uh, then Jerry. she gets up there and she starts to do her thing. Totally doing a Bill Clinton, though. I'll give Jerry this. Fuck the teleprompter. She's just talking. Yeah, she does. Okay. Teleprompter does okay. Doesn't doesn't even like Bill Clinton is famous for this. Like, yes, he is a nightmare at these conventions because they give him a speech. It's on the They'll teleprompter. And he walks room. up there and he does whatever he wants to do for forty minutes. Yeah. Cut to the doctor with Logan and he's giving Logan fluids. I presume this is fluids just to get him hydrated again, yeah. but also antibiotics to get the fever down. Shiv then pushes on how long it'll take for Logan to get back to normal Roman. Fuck you. What do you want to give him a fucking Tabasco suppository? I, I, I love that even the, they even hired a doctor that is able to return their fire of where they said like, you know, how quick, how quick? And the doctor's like, well, he's not a cup of instant noodles. It's like, yeah, what is, what is, it's only so much we can rush this right now. Shiv claims that, well, this is what Logan would want. Roman tells her the main thing is they take care of him. Shiv, well, obviously I agree, Roman. Roman, yeah, because it sounded like he wanted to jumpstart our father like he's a fucking pickup truck. Roman I, looks at him and sees Logan out of it. Very funny line here. Oh, shit. Can you call me when he's less scary? I mean, it's one of those things of where I think of all the siblings, at least in this given, Roman is the one that actually cares about their dad's health. And I think he is yes. stressing in some ways because he's actually worried. There has been multiple times where Roman has cut through the bullshit and said, we need to take care of dad because he is in a physical condition here. And he seemed on the phone with Kendall last episode, more angry at Kendall that he actually didn't get his dad a fucking cup of water or a glass of water or whatever. And, and, and the deal was secondary almost when he was browbeating Kendall about that, if you remember. I do. Jerry's then going long form on all kinds of shit they're planning to do for the shareholders, stock buybacks, et cetera, et cetera. Which, by the way, she's kind of promising the world here. I don't know if they're going to do all that stuff, uh, but it, she was promising some very expensive things. Yeah, I think she's just talking for the shareholders. I don't think she actually is, is able to promise. Stock buybacks cost a lot of money. Because yeah, basically they do. what you're saying is, I'm going to buy that back to you for a price that is more advantageous than the current market price. What uh, does, does this then put a different spin on how she ends this particular spiel? Maybe. I, I don't know. I'm interested to hear your thoughts about that. Well, because she is. Uh, but she does mention that they're going to do some new acquisitions led uh, by their visionary COO, Roman Roy. I still new, news to me that Roman was still COO. I didn't know he still had that title. I guess he does. 
but gives him a shout out. And Good Roman thoughts. Roman stops in mid stride and st- stop kind of looks at the cam- looks into the uh, TV a little bit. That caught him off guard. That she kind of gave him that, that that level of name drop right there. Roman is not used to a normal relationship, right? Because the last episode. Jerry said, hey, look, we don't want to do this because it's bad for you. And Roman was like, whoa, you're thinking of me? Like, it blew him back. Mm -hmm. This episode, he pushes on Jerry, and Jerry responds because she cares about what he thinks. And that blows him back. He's just not used to that normal sort of, like, we care about each other, and we're just interacting as friends. They're the most healthy relationship on the show. God help us. they They absolutely are. Now, for the line... Of the episode, the line of the season, the line of the show, the best Greg, line of television I've ever give, heard ever anywhere. It's the best thing I've ever heard on television. Here it is. Greg, on the phone. I was just wondering, just in, in your view, do you think it's possible to sue a person, a, a grandparent, for example, like in a way which is like a like a, like in an affectionate way that might convey like, I love you and I'm glad you're a part of my life, but I'm taking legal action against you. So Good God phenomenal quote what but i just want to say what would what would what would you do if one of your clients sent at, threw this out into the ether right at you what would be your response there would be a long pause followed by no no elaboration <laughs> no continuation no. just no this wouldn't All be one of merits. those on a previous podcast you said that sometimes when your clients say stupid shit to you you say i want you to stop and say that again one more time and listen to this yourself. This might fall in the same category. I think I would just have <laughs> such disdain for it, though. I think I probably actually good with the no. Carolina, that is. Uh, by the way, I adore that scene. That's going to be a yeah. gif that stays in my life for a very long time. Carolina, Frank, and Hugo are watching Jerry, and Carolina says Jerry is not turning any votes their way. They are not impressed with her. Hugo says, "Well, why don't we call on a bomb threat?" So Hugo's out of options. That is yeah. that is the last card. That's the last one. Mm-hmm. Shiv comes over, says Logan is moaning and getting louder. They uh, pitch a roll through and wave. Basically, can we just like roll him through the no, terrible no, idea? No. Roman, we're not going to make the piss mad bear dance with the fucking cattle prod here. Okay. Like he's the one saying, this is stupid. Yeah. He affirms that they need to be looking after him. Shiv then asks if they go down and give up. She asks Maya, who's the, the whip that they're paying God knows how much money to. $5 million, I think, maybe, is what Greg said they were paying. So, yeah. And she advises them to stay away from a vote. Basically, I've been, I've been working the room. You guys don't want to go to a vote. Mm-hmm. Shiv says they should go back to the table on the deal, and Roman says, no, Logan already killed that idea. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Shiv says, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. His urethra had wrestled control away from his brain, so she's trying to do that, like, let's rewrite what I heard based yeah. on the current symptoms that he has. No one knows what to do here. She finally asked the room if she should go talk to them. Carl says nothing. Just he speaks, but you might as well just he not. Uh, nothing comes of it. Nothing of substance. Frank. Frank and Tom do say yes. Yes. And finally, weirdly enough, the linchpin of this whole fucking operation, Roman says, "Go on, yeah, go fuck uh, up, go on." And I mean, when he says yes, she takes off. Roman is an overly aggressive man's got good sense though. And I think backed against the wall, he's real. He's re, he's reading what, what, what the circumstances are. They're dead. Can't carry this for them right now. This is the only option they got back to Jerry. Thank you for your support. This is the power of Waystar, a bright new beginning, but the journey remains the same. <laughs> it's not great. Carolina, not she great. dried up. 
She just couldn't do it. Carolina doesn't seem to like Jerry too much. She's dried up. She couldn't do it. She's been bashing Jerry's Jerry's performance. Pretty here. rough, yeah. She's Carolina getting a little spicy. Your girl Carolina, your crush. Back to Carrie <laughs> saying they have the White House. And guess what? This is not Michelle Ann. This is the no. fucking president. President's, on the, president's on the phone. And he wants to talk to Logan. Roman pitches, they say no. Tell him to fuck off. Carl, how do we feel about saying no to the president right now, Connor? Oh, I would love to say no to the president give me, right Give now. me. I want the phone. Connor in heaven right now. Roman then asks if they can tell him to fuck off. By all accounts, he won't remember by tomorrow. Woo! Burn. Oh. Talking about the, the cognitive issue that has been raised Which about the president. Which apparently is actually to a certain degree real, just heavily. It's definitely upset. real. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely real. Carrie then points out, that considering the DOJ and everything, uh, maybe you guys want to take the call. Like, it's amazing to me she has to say this. Like, hey, guys, you know, like, with the DOJ and stuff, like, maybe you want to talk to him. Hugo mentions, well, maybe we can get a sense uh, that the pressure from the DOJ is being lowered. If we get that, we can maybe back-channel something to the shareholders. Maybe this will help a little bit. Like, there might yeah. be some benefit. Maybe yeah. Benefit here. Take the fucking call. So they start kicking around who in this room should talk to the president. Pause. Spencer, who would you vote in this room to talk to the president in this moment? Go. Uh, who would be best at it versus who is necessary to do it? I mean, best. At who it, would you vote for? Well, I don't. I mean, in terms of if it, it was Frank would do the best. It just can't be Frank. It actually needs a Logan stand-in. I kind of like. Yeah, they probably picked the best guy in Roman. That the guy actually does serve as a bit of a, a service of certain, certain respectful um, stand-in for Logan. It's like, oh, this is a member of the immediate family. The president already knows him. They've met before, so that helps too. And I have hopes for Roman's competence. And honestly, he starts out rough, but he ends up doing really well with this conversation by the end. I don't know about really well. I would have voted for Jerry. Jerry is the CEO of the company. Jerry's not there. She's the most competent person there. Well, no, she is. She Jerry is. should have done it. Everyone would, says Jerry should do it. it Jerry throws same, it to Roman. Neither Jerry Go nor ahead. Frank would have had the same weight as a member of the family. And that's the issue. Jerry or Frank could have done great, but it needs to be somebody close to Logan. I mean, maybe, but I mean, she is the CEO of the fucking company. I think that's also important. Um, anyway, uh, Carolina even is quite cool with it being Jerry, as much as she's been spicy to Jerry this whole time. But Jerry kicks it. Jerry kicks it over to Roman. Says, if anyone here is a bootleg Logan, it's Roman. So during this whole thing, Connor keeps pushing to try to talk to the president, and everyone mm. in the room completely mm. ignores him, which is exactly what they should do. Is this Jerry honestly thinking that Roman's the best guy to do this, or is this Jerry throwing Roman one hell of a respectful bone? I think it's half and half, right? It's yeah. like everything with with Jerry. She she does a lot of calculations. I think she all she she's doing the calculation that you just said, which is basically like, hey, we give actually give them a Roy, which is smart. I think he can do it, but also I'm kinda I kinda pissed him off earlier, and this is a good way for me to get back into good graces of my prince. It is. Roman gets on the line with the president, and boy, is it awkward. I'm just going to do this scene all at once. He gets broken up with Shiv talking to Carry, Sandy, but I'm just going to go ahead and run through the whole thing, and then I'll cut to Shiv and Sandy. He starts out cross-talking and awkward. I do this all the time on fucking Zoom calls for work. It's the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Let's let's do it right now. You want to do it right now? Please, let's go do it right now. You want to do it? You want to do it? No. You. 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 That shit makes me crazy. And that's exactly what he's doing with the president. It's so fucking awkward. But he finally settles in and he gets the message. And he's able to convey that out to the room through his responses that the president is not running for re-election. He's out. Ah! He fucking quitting because he actually does have a cognitive issue that ATN has blown a fucking hole in. And 
fuck you and fuck your family and fuck the Roy's and fuck this and fuck that. And the president is just giving him the goddamn business. Roman does a few times interject some positive things here. I'm not sure he does a great job, but he does at least not completely fuck it up because he says, hey, look, I think you're an important historical figure. I think you still have more to give. He tries to lobby him a little bit. He's got the room. I'm really, really glad, really glad that Roman didn't turn the president's mind because I would have, that would have been the dumbest, like that, that would have been the dumbest thing in the world. Like the choice not to run again is a massive thing that affects so much. I mean, this is a it's, much it's more a interesting. Wildly consequential decision. You know, it, yeah. Roman kicking around some things. It wouldn't well, make, make a difference. Right? I mean, it, it, I, realistically, of course, Roman's not going to affect things. But to give Roman credit, a room which is not the most positive for Roman as is, several times in this conversation keeps on nodding and looking at each other like, yeah, yeah, you go Roman. Well done. That's the right thing right, to say. But they but, do start with don't cuss. So, I mean, their bar is low. What I love Roman's reaction because I do this all the time before when he starts the call and he immediately cusses, he starts to cover for it, and then he kind of defaults to like a Han Solo, uh, and how are you? And he just starts like ranting and shaking his arms with himself because he pissed off at himself for fucking up, but he goes uphill yep. from there. He does, he does. Um, he gets off and he explains, hey, look, exactly what I just told you, right? President yep. not running again, he's got cognitive issues atn's blown a hole in it he's pissed off fuck me fuck my dad fuck you fuck everything fuck the country and i don't give a fuck who's gonna be here next it might as well be a fucking chicken for all i care i don't care i'm out president two fingers not great for the company not great because they i mean this guy calls logan personally like it's a big yeah they call him the raisin like he's a big deal and now lord knows what they're gonna get and lord knows what sort of doj they're gonna get right because the doj for those who don't know part of the executive branch so when the executive branch turns over the attorney general turns can, over and can turn over. Yeah, generally does. It's a typically a partisan appointment, and then that person will flow down appointments all through the organization. Typically, the DOJ looks a little bit different from administration to administration, so they don't know what they're going to get next. It might be somebody who really turns the heat up. Who knows? So not very good. Uh huh. But in the middle of this discussion, we cut to Schiff, who's talking with Sandy with an eye. She says, "We can accept the counter. We can eat the jets." We took another look, and we decided it was the cleanest way forward. Shiv asks, are we good? Sandy says, well, look, knowing where my dad's coming from, she's going to guess here. There might be an and. The and from Sandy I keep talking about. There might be an and. And Shiv says, fucking A with this thing. Like, can we just work something out? Shiv then tries to get personal with her. I always find it super cringy when she does this. She usually does it to other women. I just find it to be the worst. Mm -hmm. But she says, hey, look, I don't like how your dad sidelines you. How about this? We give you a fourth board seat and it'd be you. Sandy likes that. She knows her dad's going to like that, too, because she's been wanting the fourth board seat. But Waystar also gets another one. So it's a, that when you when you add one on each side, it's not it's not like you did nothing, right? No. But it is a little bit more equal than just adding one. It's so a, it, it's, it's something. It's more balancing it out, sure. But what did you think about Shiv saying, well, we'll add one for me? Uh, yeah. Shiv thinks she's being brilliant here. What she's really doing is placing a giant target on her back when it comes to her dad. I thought it was a dumb, dumb move because it, it it makes it look like the deal she's doing is self serving well, as opposed to act like it's yet it's like almost the fuck up that Kendall made earlier, except a little bit less uh, pronounced. Well, like she has a moment where she can show pure leadership here, and she kind of makes it about herself. Sorry, well, and it seems like she's doing it on purpose when it comes to this conversation with Sandy. It's like, hey, we'll team up. We'll be like the po the power that work together kind of thing. Which, if she honestly thinks that she can get Sandy in her camp at any fucking point, she's a moron. 
Yeah, she is. She's she's pretty stupid. But in the moment, she needed to get a deal, and she got. A and deal. she gets one. She, she gets got one. a deal. And I, I'm telling you, Shiv did get a deal, and that was good. She did a good job here. I'm I, I'm a known Shiv hater, hand up. But she did a good job here. She does say, "Look, tell your dad the fucking markets will never let me or my brothers be CEO." Seems like, come on, do you believe that, Shiv? I don't. I only care if your dad believes it. Um, they're just still trying to get like in there, like, hey, me and you can work something out. Sandy takes off. Hilarious that Connor is the only one happy that the president isn't running again. I just want to point out. Boom shakalaka. He literally says, boom shakalaka. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then here comes Roman. Fuck yeah, Connor. I think we just alienated our most powerful ally. I mean, it's nice to know we can like puppet master the whole American Republic project and all. Great line there. Tom gets a call from Shib and relays the deal. Tom asks Jerry if she's good. Carl's telling her to say yes. Roman, at some point, dad is going to walk out of there. Finally, Jerry agrees. When Jerry agrees, the whole room goes for it. There we go. It's done. Boom. Deal, Spencer. No vote. And in the did you think? Did you think we were going to get a vote this episode? I was hoping for one. We've been building up really to it for five to. episodes. God, I really wanted to vote. I was really yeah. disappointed by this. Uh, and also, one thing we're talking about things massively disappoint me. That fucking Carl gets to deliver the good news to the crowd. All, the all the water that Frank and Jerry carried, Carl gets to get have all the credit. Bullshit. Oh, Frank, you've done enough. I'll do this. I'll yeah, do go this rest, part. Frank. Cut to Tom approaching Shiv. Do you notice every time, I've mentioned this before, every time he wants to hug her, the body language is weird. Tom then says a number of things. This one is like, I think, encapsulates, encapsulates. I think I'm the most horny when you're the most fertile. Basically, all this weird things he's saying is insinuating that he wants to get Shiv pregnant. Shiv puts it together. She says, look, I told you I don't want a kid right now. Tom, I might need something, Shiv. Otherwise, what is the point of all this? Where are we headed? Shiv, Tom, I don't want to be your fucking incubator while you're in prison doing chin-ups and reading NASCAR. Reading NASCAR? I don't know what that line was. But point being, Tom apparently has hatched a plan to try to get Shiv pregnant because I guess that's something that he wants happening when he's in prison. I guess this would be some motivator or something. Totally not creepy, like, totally not creepy. This is not, this is non-creepy. You're making it sound horrible when it's nice. It's nice. It's supposed to be nice. The fact that he's keeping track of her moon cycles, totally at no point creepy. Trying to essentially get her pregnant against her will for the sake of his needs while he's in prison. This is perfectly normal human behavior, Lay. We shouldn't be criticizing it right now. I'd like to point out that um, we're two men doing this podcast, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. My wife was appalled by this scene. Mm -hmm. At the idea that Tom would be trying to trick Shiv into being pregnant. She traditionally has really liked Tom. She's fucking out on Tom. Fuck Tom. Tom's over the boat, the cruise ship boat at some weird port out in the middle of Malaysia. He's gone. My wife is done with Tom for this. She was grossly offended by this. I think it's important to to state uh, the the one woman perspective that I have on this because I just watched this episode yesterday, but she... She was really bothered by this scene, it's, and I think that's important it's a, to state. It's a pretty fucked up thing. It's pretty manipulative. It's pretty underhanded. It's not what she wants, and yet you're trying to force it for the sake of your own needs. It, 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 this is not a great Tom moment. I Look, uh, this is absolutely... My wife is 100% right on this. Didn't surprise but me. A lot of men instance. do this. Oh, yeah. A lot of men do this. Like, I think, I, I honestly, I think my dad once told me that, like, I'm the, the only reason I, I'm alive is because my dad tricked my mom into getting pregnant. Like, I think that, that this shit has happened a lot, and it's something that absolutely should not happen. But it's uh, a- and it's certainly not in this case or any case, but definitely not this case. So, yeah, fuck, I mean, I'm a big Tom guy. I love Tom. 
But this yeah. is an awful look here for my guy. It's also one awful. of those things. It's also one of those things where if somebody told me that Tom was doing this and then to bet whether they're telling the truth or not, I would have bet in advance that Tom was doing this. Yep. And then we cut to Kendall, who's in the basement, and he's wondering about his visibility. And now he's basically been on the sidelines during this whole thing. Did you notice um, before Carl came out to announce the good news, Shiv says. In a recording at Waystar, we've always cared about women. Hard cut. Don't you think she's the... If you're going to deliver this cringy line, don't you think she's the wrong person to deliver it? She's been at Waystar for 12 minutes. Yeah, but she's... Shouldn't that have been Jerry who delivered that line? They've already had Jerry several times. She's a new face on the company. She's representing a new wave. They can market it that way. What I love about the scene is that she's delivering this message on behalf of women, and it's interrupted midway through for Carl, a guy, to walk out to deliver the news. He does. Carl walks out, delivers the news, explains Logan couldn't be there. Logan's a details guy. He's back there. He's just yeah. a ha- number crunching. Got his TI-84 going. Working on that He's working price. the numbers, guys. Spreadsheets and protractors everywhere. Absolutely. My guy is doing the numbers. And then Kendall walks on the stage. Okay, sir. We've scored speeches before. We've scored yeah. moments for characters before. On a yeah. 10 point scale with zero. Okay, being, 10 being good, right? 10 being ten, a good speech? 10's perfect. Zero is non functional human being. How yep. do you score what Kendall did on stage? And I struggle to call it a speech. Two and a half. And I know that's higher than you that would give is it, but let generous. me generous. Let me explain why it's a two and a half. The moment of silence is super cringy. The starting to just say the names of the women is really creepy. He did get out that he's starting a foundation. I, now, d- d- the way that he said this, it sounds super self-serving and it sounds yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. It looks awful, et cetera, et cetera. Fill in the blank. I'm with you 100%. He fucked this speech six ways to Sunday. It's awful. I'm not here to tell you that Kendall gave a good speech. I am here to tell you, though, that him starting a foundation to raise money is good. for the survivors of the, the, the atrocities that happened at Waystar is not a bad idea. Worst possible way he could have ever announced it, though. Completely agree. Completely agree. But there's the reason I give it a two and a half is because there's a nugget there that he can work with, which is the foundation. And I do I, think that's a smart move. And I think he should leverage his position and his immediate fame and the fact he can go on late night talk shows and et cetera, et cetera. And he should raise a bunch of money for these these people. A, he can do a good thing. Like, come on, Kendall. Maybe maybe someone on this fucking show can do a good thing once. Maybe. I'm probably going to be disappointed in that. But two, it's also pretty good optics for him. So there's that little teeny nugget. But that aside, this was awful. Maybe. Kendall, I, Spencer, I'd like to have a moment of silence oh, for... For Kendall as a real player in the minds of the shareholders. Well, you do that, I gotta go piss. <laughs> Man, it was tough. It was really bad. It, they do cut his. They do cut his mic off. At one God. point, we, at one point, we cut back to your girl, your crush, your your Marsha, Marsha, Carolina, and mm-hmm. she said she says, "I thought this was really smart." He looks crazy, and that could be good for us. I think she's right about that. Yeah, I mean, I. This is one of the things that where Kendall as a human being, you know, getting the foundation out there, running the foundation, sure, that improves him. As affecting his odds of ever having a hope of taking over this company, this moment, I don't know how he comes back from this moment. Well, I mean, you said last episode there was something else he could. I mean, you like you're ready to bury Kendall. Like you are you're you're real quick. You've said that multiple times. I don't know how he comes back from I, keep putting, I don't know how any of these characters come back from anything in this fucking show, but they tend to do it. I keep and it's usually to, just because of fucking wealth and privilege they well, just yeah. end up not dying. 
I, I agree with you. If I was a shareholder, I, I don't know that there's, I, I would have been really seriously affected by this. Now, I'm Team Kendall. I'm Team Kendall because I think Logan is evil incarnate. I'm not going to root for Emperor Palpatine, so I have to root for the other guy. Like that's just how it he fucking works. But I'm not thing. saying he's. I'm not saying that he does a good job. He does a fucking awful job here. Terrible, yeah. terrible, super cringy, and cringy. I would say, you know, there's gonna like I talk about the Pavlovian response I have with the intro and yeah. how this is a cringy show. Yeah. I would say even on the Succession cringe meter, this is really high. I would say this is a now, ten for Succession. I, I, I'm going to ask you a point of comparison because you love the U.S. Office, one of your favorite shows, right? Yeah, I love The Office. Remember, remember the episode of where Michael Scott? It's called, it's called Scott's Tots, where Michael had promised. Oh. <laughs> Scott's Tots. Oh, that Infamous was the worst episode. one, dude. Infamous episode. That was awful. So oh, Scott's th- Tots. That is viewed as probably the most awkward television that's ever, you know, that existed within our lifetimes kind of thing. Yes. It's just when yes. everything is compared against. If that's yes. a 10, where does this? Where does Kendall's speech rank? Eight and a half. It's still it's re- which is Which is really high, by the way, because Scott's Tots is mortifying. Scott's Tots yeah, is unwatchable. I, I watched it the first time. Yeah. I can never go back. <laughs> it's really bad. God, that, that show was brilliant. God, I love The Office. Uh, yeah, that was really tough. So, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about this other than Kendall just completely fucked it. It was bad. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think I've got it. Now I know everything I need to know about his social media people, right? Because they start telling him it was good. And now I know everything I need to know about them. Yes, man. They're That's terrible. all they are. They're yes, gone. Yes, they're, women, they're, actually. They're, Sorry. They're terrible. I, I know where to put them mentally now. Then we get a montage of the shareholder meeting ending. Cut back to Logan, who's now awake. We should have chopped them down. Jerry. Jerry knows how to talk to Logan. Yeah, I guess it would have seemed She's done it for 35 years. Kind of like shredding a human document. Like, Logan then complains about the four seats and the raisins stepping down. And and this is, Shiv should take notes from Jerry instead of being competitive with her. Like, Jerry, Jerry, every time, when Logan's bellowing about, bellyaching about this, Jerry just goes, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. You know, (laughs) but he had to do something. Yeah, just just use soft, non-committal words. He's not angry at anybody until you actually start to poke him. He's just annoyed. He's annoyed at himself that he was incapacitated at a key moment when he thinks he could have done better. He's not pissed that at anybody else is here. It. It, you got it. That's Shiv's, exactly it. Shiv's mistake is that she inserts herself in the middle of his fury and he directs it to her. Otherwise, Connor is talking. Yep, go ahead. Yep. No, 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 no. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, Connor's talking to Sid. I was really kind of excited about this because I wanted to make a point that Sid pound for pound. And I mean, like line for line is a really, really strong contender because she just tells him, I hope you have fun, (laughs) which tells you everything you need to know about how these news producers view these vanity runs that billionaires do. Like, look, I'm sure the guy, I'm sure the guy's a nice guy, but like Tom Steyer is a good example, right? Like that was a vanity run. Like, and it's like Sid would probably tell him, like, hey, I hope you have fun. Because that's yeah. all this is. Have is fun you having storming a good the castle. With your money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's all that is. Sid, I find Sid to be a very funny character, though. Oh, yeah. Then we get Greg talking to Tom. Greg, yeah, so I have a little bit of a development. Uh, apparently, I can't technically sue Ewan. You, you said that. You, Spencer. Mm-hmm. While he's still alive. But I can sue Greenpeace. Greenpeace. Tom, you're going to sue Greenpeace? I like your style, Greg. Who are you going to go after next? Save the children? My favorite line of the episode. It's fucking hilarious. Brilliant, Tom. Well said. I love the just casual, hmm, I like your style. Yeah, no no change of tone. No accelerated pace here. Just keep it even keel. Hmm. You're going to see Greenpeace. I like your style. 
Frank then gives a speech congratulating Logan, but mostly congratulating Shiv. This was a mistake on Frank's part. Frank should not have done this speech. Logan hates the speeches. Yeah. Every time. Whenever anybody grabs a glass, okay, everybody, could you uh, hear, hear uh, I got something to say. Logan Frank, fucking hates it every single it's time. In character, he's already in a bad mood. It's in character, though. Frank loves his speeches. We've seen that before. Man loves to give speeches and toasts. Absolutely. Um, Shiv, loving this. She does oh, like a yeah. little curtsy bow, up. and she's like eating it up, and Logan is noticing that she's eating it up. She congratulates Logan, and Logan says, well, I need to see all the details. Shiv, the detail is good. The seat was the only way, Logan. That's... What people on the shitty end of the deal always say. Four seats! She explains she got another seat for Waystar 2. It's not necessarily just four seats, right? Because we got another one too. It's like a little bit more tricky than that. Logan, and then she says, hey, we got another seat for me. Or someone like me, or maybe, maybe Connor, like Connor. Connor, Connor yeah. Yeah. But when she says like me, Vink. fucking the look, the look that he gives her. Because that, again, it's just what we were talking about. That's when he goes, Okay, I know what this was. This was not you. This was a self-serving right. move on your Hot. part, and fuck you. Yeah, now he's seeing this is hello, Kindle 2.0. I see you now. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly the look he gave her. Shiv then says they couldn't risk a vote, and you were, Dad, you were, you were AWOL. Shiv, what would you have done, Logan? She's, not that. She's saying all the worst things. Just shut she up and does. walk away. She always does. I do what Jerry does. Just take notes from Jerry. She's got too much pride to notice who she should learn from. That's a, that's a lesson out there from people. Don't have too much pride to learn from someone. Yeah. If there's someone you can learn from, drop your ego and learn from them. And that's what she should do with Jerry. Logan says, not that Shiv. Okay, what would you have done, Logan? I would have figured it out. Logan leans in to talk to Sherry. Shiv still not getting the point. Tries to give him a champagne glass. He knocks that away. Shiv, I am trying to talk to Jerry about something important. Stop buzzing to my fucking ear. Shiv well, makes a joke. Well, someone's feeling better. Then Shiv gives an awkward toast. Yeah. Thoughts on the scene? It, I think we've really summarized it well, of where this is Logan pissed that he was out of the scenario. That Absolutely. He, he was going into this like, I'm going to control it. I'm going to bring this home. This is my moment. And it was. And then his health and his ego got in the way of things. And that frustrates him. It pisses him off that he feels weak. And so he's lashing out. He's an angry bear. He's wanting to take command of the situation again. The best thing anybody could do would be to stay the hell out of his way, but Shiv doesn't know how to do that. And so she waltzes right into it, and now if she doesn't see a target on her back, she's blind as a bat. Because Logan is viewing her in the same way he viewed Kendall season one. 100%. You're absolutely right. And we're going to see that in the rest of the season. I guarantee it. It's notable, though, that this did stick to Shiv a bit. That She likes to pretend that she's above it all and nothing affects her. She actually kind of looked like she needed that hug from Tom here. Yeah, she went over to Tom. Tom tried to hug her, and she resisted again. And he's like, look, I'm not trying to hump you. Like, I'm just trying to give you a hug. And she actually took a hug from him, which is rare. I think she needed it. I think she really was actually wanting some appreciation from her dad because she did a good job. She did, but she overdoes it with her ego. Always overdoes it. And she doesn't take clues, and she doesn't know who to learn from because her ego doesn't allow her to do so. Low-key, funny moment of the episode. I'm going to nominate this for honorable mention, funny moment of the episode. Roman leans down to talk to Logan. Shit being a bitch, huh? <laughs> Immediately using the scenario. Well done, sir. Shit being a bitch, huh? Cut to Kendall. He's getting info from his crack, awful, yes-men, chum social media team. Someone calls it. Someone called it a sermon on the Marriott. Like, here's what you're doing, lady. You're literally scrolling through hundreds and hundreds of tweets that are talking about how stupid and awkward this was. And you're finding the one that said something positive and you're highlighting that to him to make him think that that's representative of the general feedback and it's misleading and you're not doing your job. They are happily accepting his money. 
Carrie then says Logan wants to see Kendall. I thought they were going to talk. I really did. I thought, here's what I thought here. And I kind of wish the show had done this. Tell me tell me what you would have thought if the show had done this. Please. I thought Logan, when he came to, pieced it together that Kendall made that deal happen. And he was going to pull Kendall aside and say, I know what you did. Fuck you, but I know what you did. I'm still going to kill you, but I know what you did. Like, I thought that's what they were going. I thought he was going to be able to piece it, piece it together yeah. and have that conversation. I thought that had been a really great moment for Kendall to get acknowledgement from Logan about what happened. It reminded us all about that Kendall was a key part of making the deal. Yeah, um, and it would have been a great thing for Logan to for him to have pieced it together after the fact when he came out of his coma. It would have been a powerful moment. I don't think it's the direction they're going with Kendall. I think they want to bring him even lower before they bring him back up because it seems like they like to do that with each arc of Kendall each season. Yep, yep, always. He's our Job. Yeah. Unfortunately, it seems that the moment that uh, Logan returned to lucidity was right when Kendall got on stage. And that's the only impression he has of what anything Kendall did with respect to the whole situation. Yep. I really think you're you're telling the truth. Um, I think that's all he remembers. And... Basically, what he's doing here is just fucking with Kendall. Yeah. Uh, he's just telling him, tell, tell Kendall I'm going to be there. And then he ghosts him. He's not there. Kendall calls him. Very powerful moment here. I think this is, I don't think they would have ended this. This is a very consequential episode. It is. In a and lot of ways. ended the episode on this. I think they want you to know this is a monumental moment. Logan looks at the phone, sees Kendall's number, hands it to his aide and says, block this number permanently. And- end of episode. As you noted, this would be so, if if this was the kind of show you know back in the '90s of where they had like 26 episode seasons, something that practically doesn't exist anymore. This would have been the mid-season finale. This would have been yes. break a, for Christmas. The our initial arc is done. It's an incredibly dramatic moment. Where do we go from here? See you in six months. Yeah, they could have easily easily ended it here um, as a season. I think. I mean, it was just really powerful. Um, I think what they're telling us with this is if you're hoping for a Kendall Logan reunion before the end of this season, nope, scrap it, get rid of it. That's not happening. I'm not sure they'll have a conversation again before the rest of the season. I'm really not. I think that's what they were trying to tell us is like Logan has cut the cord and now Kendall is really going to be flailing out on his own. He will not get any access to the inside of Waystar and Logan still has the company. He's got the company still. I think Kendall is going to have to go full Connor or he's actually going to have to ponder what is a life outside of the family circle. And I think it's going to be better for him if he actually can find out what that is. Oh, I don't think so. I think he's going to leverage the DOJ to pressure, to pressure Logan and he's going to get some wins here. But when I say better, I mean better for him as a person. Not that he's going to fucking do it. It's Kendall. Of course he's not. Yeah. He's not going to do it. He's going to keep fighting and he'll get some wins and he'll get some losses, but we'll see. All right, there you go. That's your recap. That's the end of the episode. I know this one went long, but there's a ton of dialogue in this one. Are you ready to go to our segments? Yes, sir. Okay, let's do best line of the episode. I and I alone choose best line of the episode. I am emperor of the segment. You always supply me with some nominees. I give some nominees myself. And then we will select line of succession. Do you have a nominee, sir? I do as I pull up my notes. Yes, I do. Uh, okay. All right, are you, all right, first one from me. Uh, I guess you'll, this is from Connor. I guess you'll have to make time, Madam Secretary, unless, me, unless he wants me to go public and take a big black light to our semen-stained family scrapbook. Maybe you ought to fit me in, yeah? Connor, spitting fire last few episodes. I got another one from him. Um, UTI can make you crazy. Rogan, uh, Reagan had one and nearly nuked Belgium. Great. Funny line. Very good one. Oh, uh, next one from me. Uh, this is uh, it's just because it's actually what they do in the episode, but Logan to Frank. We nail you to the cross, Frank. All right. It's really what they do to poor Frank the whole episode, but man, does he carry it. 
My guy, Kendall, this is a self-serving nomination. Hang tight, dude. Puppet Master is on it. It's a good line. Uh, this one is from uh, Roman. I feel like I just have to put it out there, you know, say it. Uh, since there's a, like an $85 billion baby on the table here, how do I know that he's not your meat puppet? So good. Roman, oh, uh, do you, uh, the fucking Poirot of fucking piss over here. Uh, one from Ewan. Because, Greg, your life is not, it's not a bag of tail. Because you're putting yourself in the service of monstrous of a monstrous endeavor. Because, because you need to take yourself seriously, kid. That was a Ooh. heartfelt line we don't get on this show between family members much. Bro, another Roman one. Can he do the speech? The fucking demented, piss mad King of England. Uh, I, probably the most brutal Roman line of the episode. You talked about it. Bullshit. No, because first they came for the PJs and I said nothing. Then they came for the outsized compensation payments. Uh. You know. Uh, if you want to I, symbolize the privilege on this show, right there, right there. Do you have any other nominees other than the winner? Uh, let's see here. Just a couple other ones I could reference. Let's see here. I, Logan's line about Frank. Who's being nasty to him? Nobody should be. I'm the only one that's allowed to be nasty. It was kind of a vaguely heartfelt line from Logan. It's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, I'm gonna, I know which line you're going to do, so I'm going to skip it. Uh, did you do the whole Puppet Master of the American Republic project? Not yet. That one. And you're going to see Greenpeace. I like your style, Greg. Um, and yeah, the last one. Block this number for me. You sure? Permanently. Yeah. And now, your favorite line. The winner of the episode, Far and Away. Best line of the episode. I think I'm going to surprise you here, actually. I think I'm going to surprise you. Now, I, honorable mention this week for best line of the episode, or line of succession, as it were, is block this number permanently. And the winner this week. Season three, episode five is, you're going to sue Greenpeace? I like your style, Greg. Who are you going to go after next? Save the children? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, thought, I thought you were going to do the other one. I thought you were going to do the sue polite, the sue in a heartwarming, you know, loving kind of way thing. No, that one. I love that one. That's my favorite one. But I think, uh, I think the, the you know, I, I do this for the people, Spencer. I do the I podcast understand. for the people. I'm the man of the people. And what we're going to remember from this one is absolutely, you're going to sue Greenpeace? It's I like your style, Greg. It's the, I like your style, Greg, that threw it over the top for me. All right, um, all right let's do our power rankings of Roy's before we get to re- Spencer's relationship advice of the episode. We always start with which Roy's did the worst. A lot of nominees for which Roy's uh, did the we're worst. We're going to fight week. on this one. I uh, Come on, man. It's the worst moment of the damn show. As much as he had victories, I think Kindle still comes out of this with the biggest L possible. Disagree. Because he got a W. Like, he went one for three. Like, Greg went 0 for four. Like, well, Greg, Greg is Greg the loser, count. loser, You loser. have said Greg okay, does not count fair. on this list. Okay. If Greg doesn't if, count, if we're if just Greg, doing power five. If Greg counts. Then I'm going to say. Bottom of the barrel. The barrel's built of Greg. Okay. If we're just doing power five, then I'm going to say Kendall Logan tie for the end. Because Logan was a fucking disaster and almost gave the company away because of his own yeah. fucking stupid I, ego. And it was an unforced error, and it keeps happening with him. The reason I will disagree is that Logan ends the episode in a stronger position than Kendall does. Kendall ends this episode utterly without power and with no prospect that we know at present to return to it. Logan still has the company. Yeah, I guess it depends on how we're ranking this. I'm ranking, like, what they did. You're ranking, like, the outcome. Like, Logan, yeah, Logan does keep the control of the company through nothing that he fucking did. Like... Just dumb luck that it happened because he, 
Yeah. Was completely out of it. And some and, and skilled subordinates. Yeah, absolutely stupid, the entire episode. So if you're just talking about effort, like what would the actions these individuals took, then I, I, I would agree. Now, if we're going to talk about outcomes... You're, I cannot disagree with you. The Kindle is the worst, and Logan fair. is above that. That's a, that's fair. We'll, we'll still keep both of them kind of in the same position. Because as good as his outcomes, Logan did nothing this episode other than screw himself over. Who's next? I would next? say Shiv is next because she... She gets a big win. Eva, actions and, she got a big win, but actions and outcome, she had big fuck-ups, right? Like, she cannot read her father, and she continues to poke and prod and irritate him. And, like absolutely undermine her position in every possible way with him whenever she gets a chance. And then the outcome of course, is that well, you put it really well in the recap. I see you like he looked at her. I see you like he, the same way he looks at Kendall. Yeah. I mean, are we then putting Connor next? I would say so. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's one of the things that I don't think he actually accomplished anything, but in terms of people in this episode, just far and away the happiest, this guy's on cloud nine right now. Well, I think he's gonna. I think I think he's going to convince Logan that Logan told him he could run European TV. Well, I don't think he cares anymore. I think he want, He's running for president now. You think he's running for president? Yeah, I think he's running for president. You, you think he had the end? I think he thought the raisin was going to win. Now it's an open field. All right. Well, this guy's maybe going I need for to put the... him a little lower. Then maybe he's put him a little lower. <laughs> I, I would honestly put him just a little bit below Shiv, just because I think it's a delusion. But admittedly, the man is happy. Man is happy in a way that, you know. It's true. Nobody else is happy. And then I think the the Roy of the episode has got to be Roman, right? I, we've said this a few times, but I think it's fair here. The man has some, he has a big name drop. He talks to the president, does a decent job. He's got Jerry firmly in his camp, and now he's balanced out the relationship a little bit when it comes Absolutely. to respecting him. This Absolutely. Is a, I mean, and honestly, he, the fact that he showed what appeared to be human caring for his dad's health. He still had some cringy fucking lines, but I think Roman ended up a pretty strong W this episode. I think he also, like, we got a clear sign of the juice he's got with Jerry. As soon as he, like, you know, like you, it's very apparent in relationships, the power dynamic when something starts to go sideways, right? Like, if you get mad and you're like, hey, you did this thing and I didn't like it and you pissed me off. The person's reaction typically will tell you where you are with them. Like that's like if the person just basically tells you to fuck off, then you're not you, you didn't have anything there. But Jerry snaps to attention and acts, and I think that is a really important thing to note. Um, yeah. That we got real evidence that he has juice with her. And it's one, it's one of the things I think we talked about before. But one of the problems that Shiv runs into is that she's always going for the hail mary. She's always going for the deep long pass. She's that's the, that's the only way she knows how to play the game. Roman's not had any big losses because he's not taking huge risks. He's going for steady progress. He's going for picking a person that can support him, making steady gains. And because of that, he's not had any big glaring injuries in the way that Shiv constantly has, even though she's had bigger, more talked about wins. Completely agree. There you go. Roy of the episode, Roman. Now we go to my favorite three minutes of the week. Spencer's relationship advice to the episode. Spencer, do you have anything for us this week? No, I'm afraid I actually have to skip because I already did it earlier in the episode. I wanted to talk about the idea of the dangers of having a single person wielding the same, the sole amount of power that Logan did. And you kind of already prompted me. So I'm a little bit out off point to do it, but I'll come back with a longer relationship advice next week. Okay. I don't think I have one either. Okay. Now I think we can go ahead and wrap up. That is the, the mid season. I feel like they, they crescendoed. We got a little bit of an apex mid season. And I honestly think where they're going now is, what will happen with the DOJ? Like, I think that's what's going to happen. 
that's the last five episodes that we get of the season is the court battle, the the push and pull for power. Is Logan going to be indicted? Is Kendall going to get a um, plea agreement or something or, or immunity? I think all of this stuff is on the table. That's what we're going to get. You're going to love it. It's lawyer land. It's a lot of law stuff. You're going to be in heaven. And uh, I think Kendall's probably going to get fucked over and over again. So you're probably going to like that too. So there you go. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Thank you for doing this pod with me, Spencer. Please check out all of our pods. Go to any podcast provider. Matter of fact, if you're still listening right now, you like listening to us talk. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that. You didn't get two hours and 20 minutes into this sucker without liking us. So if you're listening to this right now, you need to go to your favorite podcast platform and type in Mangum Talks, and you will hear a lot of stuff from us. Some of it very good, I promise you. Thank you again for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you're enjoying the pod. And we will be back with you next week as we delve into the back half of the season for season three, episode six. We will see you next week. Hope you all have a good week.